You're listening to the Popzar Podcast. It's movie time. What's up? Welcome back, everybody. It's the Popzara Podcast. Movie time. That's right. Movie time with an exclamation mark. Three exclamation marks because we're going to be talking about the best, the worst, and everything else that happened in cinema for 2021 with an asterisk. We'll get into that in a second. This is Nathan Evans, managing editor of popzara.com, and I'm going to bring in our special guest, Mr. Frequent Movie Time co-host, Ethan Brem. Ethan, welcome back. Ooh. Thanks for having me. So I can't, I can't do good introductions today. And returning champ is Popzara's own Christian Sterling. Christian, welcome back. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Now, you guys are on, geographically, you guys are actually in California, home of La La Land itself, Hollywood, all the fun stuff, although increasingly that's Canada and, and Georgia. But you guys are there, so you guys were all the action is. And what we do is we like to time these yearly wrap-ups to the Academy Awards, and I think the Academy Awards this year is going to be, what is it, da, 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 the 94th Annual Academy Awards. It's going to be such an amazing show. It's going to be so entertaining. No, I'm just kidding. The award nominations came out, what, Ethan, is it this week, chronologically? Yeah, Was yeah. it the 8th? Yeah. And so we'll talk about that a little bit, but what we're doing is we're sort of hijacking the SEO so you can accidentally listen to this podcast thinking we're like entertainment tonight. Full ja. Ethan and Christian, before the show, we talked about this. The numerology of some of these films is going to be a little flexible. Uh, we're going to be talking about movies that were technically released in 2021 for reasons we can't fathom. Some of them were released in 2021 and 2022. <laughs> some maybe may have gone into 2020, but who cares? It's the movies we thought were the best for 2021. I'm sticking to it. Any objections? No, that's... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. How... Yeah, I've, I've seen some people's best of list, and it has like Judas and the Black Messiah, and I'm like, well, that was nominated for an Oscar last year. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> yeah, the overlap's kind of weird. It's it's weird. I saw some of that too, and I was like, I must be looking at like a British website because you know some <laughs> some of their movies, you know, a lot of American movies come out much later, so they're still reviewing like um, there's well, what's the movie we talked about, uh, Ethan, that you really really liked, uh, the Chloe Zhao movie. Uh, oh yeah, Nomadland. Nomadland, yeah, that's still getting like best of twenty twenty ones. So yeah, it's like, what? yeah, you can't. Pr- that's like saying like The Godfather was my favorite movie last year. It's it's time to let it go. All right, but anyway, there's no really criteria. There's no real uh, foundation here. There's no set list. We're not going to necessarily say our top five or top ten or worst. We'll just sort of wing it, and you can sort of use our lists as a uh, scoring card. You may agree with this, which I hope you do, and you might disagree with this, which I hope you don't. But somewhere along the lines, I think we can meet at a happy middle, and you'll find something to watch. Because I think a lot of these movies are available on streaming already, or you can purchase, which is nice. Mm -hmm. By the way, the Academy Awards, when are the Academy Awards? Do we know the date? We know the date. I want to say the 27th. March 27th. So by the time March... yeah. Yeah, so you'll be good to go. You'll have your scorecard. You'll have your Oscar bingo, thanks to Pop Zara and Movie Time. Now, the way it goes, Ethan and I usually talk about one or two movies on this. Christian, because you're the returning champ, let's start off with you, because you actually got a chance to go to theaters quite a bit in 2021. We talked about this before. I'm very jealous. So let's just start things off with The Man from Australia. What were your favorite movies of 2021? Um, okay, I actually saw like a heap of movies uh, this year, as, uh, as, as you mentioned before. Yeah, like a whole bunch. I was literally <laughs> going every weekend, because... Um, 
while I know the pandemic scared a lot of people going to the cinema, it was actually the best time to go because, mm -hmm. you know, when you went in there, there was like maybe five other people. So uh, every chance I got, I went to the, I went to see something at the theater. But the first movie on my list, uh, funnily enough, I didn't actually see at the cinema. Um, and oh, by the way, these movies are in no particular order. Like, so this isn't like the best. I just you know, wrote it down as it came to mind. Uh, but the first movie I'm going to uh, mention is uh, it was on, I'm pretty sure it was Netflix. Uh, it's called Don't Look Up. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it stars, well, it's got Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, and who else has it got? Uh, Jonah Hill. That's, that's the other one, Jonah Hill. And um, yeah, essentially it's, uh, I, I think it's one of the best movies uh, of the year. I think it's hilarious. It's just this big satirical uh, comedy that just kind of pokes fun at the world. Um, essentially what's happening is uh, there's a, a couple of low-level astronomers. They detect like there's a meteor that's headed for the Earth, you know, very Armageddon. And uh, essentially, you know, they report it to, to the government and you've just got this inept government uh taking all the information not taking it very seriously and eventually it goes all public when they release it to you know via social media and the world just kind of goes crazy realizing they've got a limited amount of time to go and then you're just kind of looking at the incompetence you know of the world as they try to you know, find a solution to the problem and essentially you know like capital greed uh plays a major hand in a lot of conflict and it's just like a great like it's it's interesting it's just a good reflection of like society that we have today but it's just done in a really funny format um, Leonardo DiCaprio is hilarious in it, and uh, I'm generally not—I gotta admit—I was never really, really a fan of Jennifer Lawrence, like in her early career. But uh, in her later career, I really started liking what she's doing. And this is another one where I think she's fantastic. And um, yeah, it's just a—it's just one of those movies. If you got Netflix, you just got to watch it. It's, it's fantastic. It's really funny. And um, yeah, that's, and that's the first one. You know what's funny? Uh, Best Picture nominee. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, go yeah. figure. So. The uh, the uh, best part of that movie was the running. Well, two my two favorite parts were the running joke about the vending machine, thing, or the you know the where the guy says that uh, the the items from the food items cost like ten dollars each. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> yeah. keeps revisiting it over, and then I I actually am not a fan of him as an actor, but I loved Timothy Chalamet in this movie. I thought he was awesome. Yeah. That, mm. it was a great role. Yeah, and Jonah Hill is, is awesome in this as well. I'm a big fan yeah. of Jonah. He's in like a lot of he, – he picks a lot of really great support roles, and this is another one. And, um, yeah, it's just funny, man. It's just a really good script, and it's just got great casting. And um, Leonardo DiCaprio is just fantastic. He's this nerdy astronomer who gets fame and becomes like a pin-up uh, you know, pin boy. It's, it's, it's can, great. Yeah, the best, the best running joke in the movie is that Leo – let's be honest here. We all, we all like Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm -hmm. But visually, he's sort of morphing into Orson Welles before our eyes. <laughs> and the running joke is that he's the sexiest astronomer in the world, <laughs> and he becomes sex. Yeah. And he becomes a sex symbol. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I really liked Mark Rylance in this movie as sort yeah, of the sort of the amalgamation of every sleazy, slimy Silicon Valley degenerate in the world. Yeah, and uh, we I, we can't, let's not spoil the end of the movie. But um, yeah, I, you know what's funny? This is the one movie that was overtly political, but everybody liked because it was political against all the stupid people. Yeah, everyone. Everyone got the pointy end of the stick. It's great. And it was a success. So there you go, Hollywood. Make movies that insult everybody instead of just half the people, and <laughs> you, you'll be successful. So do you want me to like go like 
sort of like my list? Would we want to go back and forth with Ethan and yourself, or how, like what order do you want to do this? What do you, yeah, we never. We when I said we were going to freelance this, let's definitely freelance this. What do you think? So how many? What do you think? You guys want to go tit for tat, back and forth? Sure, we could do that and just do like round robin. Yeah, yeah I think is... that works. I think it'd be interesting. People don't want to hear my accent for like what? You know, 10, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? I I I told everyone we have Chris Hemsworth on this podcast. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> Okay, cool. I'll, I'll hand it over to Ethan and uh, this one. This anyone else got any anything extra sure, to say about cool. Don't Look Up? Let's go for it. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah. I don't know how many you guys got on your list. I just kind of wrote down notes on everything. I'm gonna go. Uh, I always, according to Letterboxd, I watched 114 movies from 20, just from 2021 last year. Yikes! Uh, and I only went to the theaters three times, and two of them were not new movies. So. The only movie I saw in theaters was West Side Story from... Oh, I, I saw Licorice Pizza, but that was after the year was over, I guess. But I will say some notes about the year in general. It was a great year for action. I thought uh, there were some cool like old-school action movies like Kate and Nobody, Gunpowder Milkshake, The Protégé, even like Mortal Kombat was kind of fun. That said, <laughs> my the first one I want to talk about is not an action movie by any means. It's called, and I bet... Neither of you saw that. Neither of you saw this because it was on an exclusive through Mubi, the the app, which I did the free trial just to watch this movie because it's one of my favorite directors. Uh, the movie is called Project Space Thirteen. Uh, the director's name is Michael M. Belandic, and he's done a movie uh, that's kind of was his biggest movie is called Job's World. Job's with a Z. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's kind of obscure, but yeah, this movie Project Space Thirteen follows a pretentious performance artist who uh, just kind of launches his new exhibit at a gallery, like this coveted gallery in Soho district in New York. Uh, but right as the pandemic starts and his performance piece, it, he has to be trapped in a box for like 120 days, I think it is. Uh, and so nobody's watching him do his quote unquote performance. And it's just kind of like a critique on like highbrow art, but also, like uh, it, it talks about COVID politics a little bit, but not like in a way that's uh, you know alienating. I don't think it's just it's it's a really dialogue heavy. It's basically singular location. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Job's World, but that's or he also had a movie called Hellaware uh, that was kind of big. Uh, you you find these movies. Ethan. <laughs> you you scrape the internet. You scrape. You scrape every streaming service <laughs> to the bones. I will say, okay, Job's World kind of had slight. Uh, it's on like Canopy. It, it kind of got big in like the under like indie world. That's that that one I think is a little bit better or a lot a bit better. But Project Space Thirteen is a lot of fun. It's totally in line with his other movies. He he writes smart dumb like better than anyone I've ever seen, and he always has like one character that's kind of like. Uh, like Garth from Wayne's World, kind of, uh, and yeah, he's like the only art house director who can mock pretension and get away with it. And he always kind of makes fun of these ideas of not just pop culture and celebrity, but also like the highbrow artsy fartsy stuff, also. So, um, yeah, I don't know. His voice is really good through his dialogue. Like his dialogue's almost like theater, but he he's not a theater guy at all. He just writes it like that, and it's, I don't know, it's just really hard to explain. He's my for sure my favorite art house director, but um, yeah, this was a fun project, I think. And that's why you listen to this podcast, so you can find <laughs> movies like I Project swear, Space I 13. 
the other ones are the other ones are more mainstream actually but uh well, that was my only really obscure, <laughs> obscure thing on this list christian i'm gonna just go off on a rant and say you probably didn't see this one either okay so oh oh yeah okay yeah, I'm guessing Christian didn't see, didn't see this. I don't think I don't think the director saw this his own movie. You know, it hurts my feelings <laughs> that you think that I haven't seen it. You know, maybe I have. Well, seen it. maybe you have. I, that's why. That's why we don't assume because it makes an ass out of you and me. Okay, well, yeah. I'll if we're doing round robin, I'll go next. So let me let me let me t- let me pick one of my favorite movies. That's exactly the opposite of Project Space Thirteen, in the fact it's not some obscure art house film built around an idea. No. I'm talking about the biggest movie of 2021, Spider-Man. No way. <laughs> so beat nice. that. Um, this movie was controversial in that it wasn't controversial. That This is the one movie that everybody seemed to kind of dig. And it's got anybody who talked negatively about, I think, Spider-Man was just desperate for attention. Um, Christian, I know you saw it, right? Yeah, it's on my list of... Uh... It's on my list is where you beat me to it. Yeah, I loved it. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, it's, on my, it's on my list too. I loved it too. Okay, let's just say this. Can we just say this? Spoilers for people who haven't seen a billion-dollar movie. Um, this is a movie, I think, where nostalgia plays an important part, but it, it's earned nostalgia that I don't think any other movie could do correctly. Uh, I think another movie – I don't know if you – we'll probably talk about Ghostbusters. We'll probably talk about Star Wars. But this is the movie that literally picked and chose its nostalgia and copy and pasted them into one movie. And I think they did it well, like really, really right. And I think this is the most fun I had at a Marvel movie in like six years. Like I, I really like Spider-Man No Way Home. I don't know what you guys thought. Like actually, what'd you think? Yeah. Christian, what'd you think? Uh, I loved it. It was it was funny. It was like, I'm pretty sure it was really long if I remember correctly, but the pacing, I never felt bored in it. And um, and even though it was the worst kept secret on the internet where you get had out. Oh, hang on. Can you hear the sign? They're coming. It's Spider-Man. They're coming. Superhero. The whole time, right? Oh, okay. you're fine. It's we're talking yeah. about superheroes. He's coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, it was the worst kept secret, knowing that um, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire were coming back. But even even though you knew it was coming, the moment like they appeared on screen, like people cheered. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It was just uh, it was just an awesome like moment. And uh, I don't know. I mean, some people say that it's kind of lazy to to just have a, like a, met, a multiverse where you bring in other characters who you can say they're all part of canon. But I think it's great. It means that, you know, depending on whatever fan you are or whichever version of Spider-Man or whatever superhero, I love that they're all interconnected in, you know, in some capacity in this film. And they brought them in and uh, the different variants of the villains. It was just, I don't know, man. I just thought it was great mm-hmm. how it linked all the other ones into this one film. And it worked. There's only like a handful of franchises that you could even do this with, which is why it's so cool. Like you have like James Bond, even though all those guys are like 108, and then you have like Batman, I guess. Uh, but like, there's really not like another. There really aren't a lot of franchises where you have multiple people playing the same character. There. Um, and it, and, it, and there weren't too many. There are three, so it's not like you're overloaded with all this these callbacks and stuff. It was just three. It was simple. It was the best case scenario for this premise, I think. And you know what's funny? It wasn't even a new idea. There, there was already a Spider-Man movie like two, two, three years ago that did the exact same thing with a multiverse with the different Spider-Man. Yeah. It was Spider-Verse, and no one remembered mm-hmm. that because that's how much fun this movie was. Yeah, it, yeah. this one took that. Yeah, this one took that idea to like the familiar, familiar actors and stuff too, which was cool. 
and they use they use them it wasn't just like a like a gimmick either like mm-hmm. they were written into the story they contributed to the story arc so they weren't just there to go hey look we nabbed them for a quick cameo they were proper contributors to the to the plot so it was fantastic yeah uh, that was so cool you know and the villains were cool too they picked from every movie which was cool all all five existing movies were there represented they got they got closure i think that was the big deal is that the, the both the characters and the villains got closure um yeah. my, my favorite part of this movie and i think my favorite part of every marvel movie and they never do it i don't know if you guys are exhausted by this like every marvel movie like i think there was shang chi and the seven rings there what was what was another one last year that was marvel black um, widow black widow like eternals they, yeah eternals oh god we'll get to that one <laughs> but they always <laughs> close off with a cg bombast and it's exhausting and you guys i don't know if you guys felt this way but there's that scene when the three peters are talking to each other and if you notice this there was no angst between them there was no mm-hmm. infighting no manufactured drama they all got along they all it was just ha- pure happiness seeing them on screen and the chemistry was undeniable and it's these marvel movies are so much better when the characters are just talking to each other and you know and having yeah, conversations so it's like oh now now we got to get to a cg fight well, it's like they found catharsis in like nobody else can can relate to them. So they're like, mm-hmm. oh man, finally, there's two other people who know exactly what I'm going through. So it was kind of like an instant bond, and and they just played on that. Yeah, instead of like you said, like instead of making it like, oh, I'm the best Spider-Man, or I don't know, it was cool. Yeah, exactly. It was really, really fun. It was so good. It was fun, and it was heartfelt, and it was earned. And and Christian, you said something I want to finish off with. Uh, people complained it was lazy. It will be. Like, because every other movie is going to copy this gimmick and they're going to play out the nostalgia welcome real fast. I think yeah. um, the next Batman movie, the, the Flash movie, is going to have Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck in it. So yeah. get ready. I think, uh, I don't, have you guys seen the trailer for the multiverse, the Doctor Strange multiverse? Did you see, yeah. the, did you see who's in that already? I saw it, but I can't really remember what was in it. It was a lot of CGI. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, it it looks like Patrick Stewart's coming back as Professor X, you know, and Ryan Reynolds. Really? Yeah. So I must have seen a different trailer. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 you could hear his voice and you could see the bald head. So they're oh, that's yeah. Cool. yeah, they're going to introduce the X Men. So get ready. There's no. I just hope they don't use nostalgia like multiverse as a way to cut through story. Like there's no excuse for a story anymore. This yeah, is- well, that's what I. I didn't like that about the D- the X Men Days of Future's Past. I know a lot of people like that movie, but I didn't. I, that to me felt like a more of like a lazy way of doing it. Like, oh, we just can use time travel and then do this whole thing. Whereas, like, I think like Endgame kind of did it a little better. But um, yeah, the it was, only... the time travel was almost too easy in, in Days of Future's Past. Where Endgame, they really had to like trial and error through the whole time travel thing. That didn't really work for it. Exactly. Yeah. The and by the way, I. Last comment, the only other franchise that I can think touches upon this sort of storytelling that you said, Ethan, with different characters in the same movie would be like the star, the new Star Trek movies. Because yeah, they, you know, they, 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 they said they, what, they had multiverses because they split it off and that explained why the, you know, the different actors are different playing the same characters and they even matched them up with like Leonard Nimoy. But, but yeah, Spider-Man's better than that. <laughs> so Spider-Man, No Way Home, one of, one of my favorites of 2021. So let's go back to Christian. Christian, what's next on your list? <clears throat> okay, cool. So, uh, so I'll cross Spider-Man off since we just mm-hmm. him really well. Goodbye. Uh, th- this next one is a completely uh, different genre, and I think a lot of people who know me are going to be surprised because you know me. You know, I, I love all the big popcorn action. You like, you do like a lot of schlock. 
And that's, I what, I, that's what I like about you. So Yeah, like I said, grew up on, on Schwarzenegger and Stallone, man. I love all that mm-hmm. stuff. And um, But this one's different, but it is one of the actors I grew up with. It's got um, Nicolas Cage. Uh-oh. And he's very, he's very hit and miss, but this film is brilliant. And it's okay. called Pig. Okay, I was going to say, before you said the name of the movie, that oh. could have been like <laughs> 10 different movies this year. So. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's called Pig. And, um, yes. Yes, yeah, Pig. And, yeah, and it's, it's a very different type of film for me to like. It's very slow-paced. It's about um, it's a drama sort of mystery thriller type thing, and you've got like this reclusive chef who used to be really famous, and now he's just a recluse that lives you know out in the wilderness by himself uh, with a with a pig, and he's a truffle hunter. So he gathers truffles with his pig and sells them to some like young entrepreneur, and then takes them to town and sells it. And that's kind of like his life. And then some, one day, someone just comes and steals his pig, beats the crap out of a cage, steals his pig, and all this is is he just goes into the town that he does, hasn't been. In, in like I don't know decades perhaps just to go find his pig and it's just the journey he has trying to find his pig and it, it's really <laughs> simple but uh, it's brilliantly done yes. man. and it's like it's like a really career defining performance from Cage it's just so uh, how do I explain it? it's just um, such an emotional journey and uh, and just such an interesting script and just the pacing and the atmosphere uh, I really dug it. It's it's worth it's worth watching. It's it, like I say, it's a slow paced film, so it's a bit of a slow ride. But uh, it just draws you in, man. It's just, and you you're just wondering what happened to this pig, and you can't wait to see if he's going to get reunited with this pig. It sounds absurd, but it's so good. Yeah, we um before now, Ethan. Before you chime in, uh, Christian, Ethan and I did a podcast on this podcast about the movie Drive My Car, and we ended up talking about pig for like half the damn podcast. Because I think, Ethan, yeah. didn't you say it's actually Pig was your favorite movie of 2021? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it, it's it's probably tied for number one for me. Um, definitely, yeah. It, it's I it might be the my favorite one of my favorite dramas I've ever seen, just in the fact that it's it like sets itself up to be like this slow build, but it's really kind of not. It's very open and honest and. You know, when the information comes to light, it presents itself. It's not like you know, it doesn't try to hide anything like fab- like you know, it doesn't try to fake uh, suspense or anything. Like when when the kid asks questions, he gives the uh, Nicholas Cage gives answers, and I mean, it's a crime to humanity. This thing was nominated for any Oscar, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's it's a crime. Um, really, it's, it's totally not. Ridiculous. No, like it's absolutely no ridiculous. Well, I'm, lo- I'm yeah. looking at I'm looking at best at. Let's just say this: Nicholas Cage deserved an deserved a nomination. Um, at least, yeah. You could take. I love Javier Bardem. I love him, but let's nobody yeah. in being the Ricardo should have been nominated for anything. And oh take, yeah, he take, was good in that. But well, take, honestly, I think Denzel was kind of shouldn't have been nominated for the Macbeth. Yeah, I didn't think he was that good in it. Really? Well, what about Will Smith? Well, he was great. I loved Will Smith. Andrew Garfield for Spider Man? No, I'm just kidding. Tick, tick, boom. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was good. Oh, yeah, that he was great in that. But uh, but getting back to the film, though, I think we we all agree that we both, we all three love Pig dearly, dearly. Um, yes. Probably probably my second favorite movie of twenty twenty one. By the way, Christian. Hmm. And the thing I liked about it as well, he's got like, and I, we just saw it as this drama. But he's actually got like a really cool superpower, and that he remembers, and it's and it's written so well into the plot. He remembers. Mm-hmm. Like he remembers every meal he has ever cooked a person. So if he remembers you, he knows what he cooked for you. Like even if it was decades ago. It, and it sounds like a weird power to have, but it plays. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm really dumb. He's just a very different character. I've never seen seen him uh, like him. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. What, what, what's cool about what this movie does is, um, and, all, and and also drive my car, and in that um, they're both linear. They they don't use any weird tricks. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like it tells a story from front to back. You know, there might be, I mean, in Drive My Car, there's a little gap, but uh, but other than that, like it it tells it in chronological order, and it, it kind of just it's how the filmmaker operates within these age old conventions. Um, you know, of straight drama, by the way, like he's literally just telling a drama story. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. a little touches of humor maybe here and there in Pig, but I mean, it's just how. It's just the themes that he uses and just kind of like how following what you love, not necessarily following your dreams, because, you know, there's always disillusionment that can come out of following your dreams. But if you follow what you love um, uh, and there's a fine line there, uh, but you'll find more fulfillment. Can can we be clear? Nicolas Cage gives probably, I would say, the best performance he's ever given in a film Um, in in, in the fact that it's so restrained and. Literally, he came out with a movie like a month later where he played a diaper wearing <laughs> ninja assassin. Like yeah. he is, he is the most versatile. <laughs> Which was fun too, by the, the way. Most, exactly. All three of his movies were fun. <laughs> it's he's the most versatile actor that we we have. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and what was cool that the director kind of played on your expectations of Cage. Like you're like he was like, okay, everyone's gonna expect him to have this blow up moment, you know, his famous Nicolas Cage freak out. But he like uses that. Mm-hmm. as kind of like a dangling hot dog at the end of the hook and you're like okay when's he gonna do it? when's he gonna do it? And he never does and it kind of adds like an like almost like a phantom suspense in a way or like i don't know well it was so it was such a weird experience and I, aw- like awesomely weird i have a problem with pig though and the problem is is that i think the marketing worked against it uh because people saw the trailer and it made it seem like it was a john wick style movie like, yeah. like he, and and the movie didn't go streaming. So, and let's be honest, no one's going to the theater to see Pig. Like, this is a movie that would have benefited from having a streaming release and from having a, you know, I think a more appropriate trailer. Because I think it, people didn't know what to think. But everybody who saw this movie loved it. That's the thing. I think we're we're going to be talking about Pig for a long time. Like, I don't think. I feel hmm? look at this trailer because I didn't see the trailer. I saw this because uh, you. I think you recommended it to me. Uh, yeah. So uh, I just okay, I'll watch this movie. Pig's got Nicolas Cage. Why not? And then uh, I was just so surprised. Yeah, yeah. okay, I watched the trailer. Isn't that the best part of liking movies, though, is seeing something you didn't know anything about and then falling, having the chance to fall in love with it yourself? Hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. My um. And, and those, yeah, these two movies, by the way, made the most uh, year ends list. I think Pig and Drive My Car. Yeah, it it just lets you know, like when we look at the Oscar nominations, how how much of it is politics and everything, and. Like I said, we'll we'll get into it later, but uh, but yeah, I think we all agree. Pig's one of the best movies of twenty twenty one, easily. Uh, so, Ethan, what is next on your list? So next, I want to talk about a movie called that was. I mean, you guys might have seen this one. It's called Oxygen. Um, I think it was Amazon release. Um, containment thriller. A woman wakes up in an oxygen chamber with only so many hours before the air runs out. You know, hmm. we, it's it's not it's not a totally unique concept, I guess, but. Um, I liked how where most containment thrillers kind of focus on oh. maybe a more realistic. Wait a minute, or is this is this the new movie from Alexander Aja? It is. Yeah, yeah, it's a French American. Uh, yeah, we love this guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did like Crawl. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think he did that movie High Tension, like the, yeah. the Evil yeah. Dead ripoff. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I think he did another, maybe a remake or something. But yeah, where I just I just loved it. It was so good, and and where. Uh, the foundation of it is really hard sci-fi. So in a sense, it kind of invents its own rules of like how she escapes, but it also plays into like finds ways to make those rules make sense logically. And the sci-fi also kind of helped her have more of like a fuller discovery of why she's there. Whereas like something, another movie would have to maybe use flashbacks. She's able to like hear recordings or like um, 
like here like call people and i don't know it was just so cool um the way that they used this this foundation for the movie and it's totally chilling like they're the reveals in it i was like whoa i got goosebumps and it was just like so mysterious and cool and fun and yeah i don't know if you guys saw this but it was, it was a lot of fun it's on my list oh, i haven't seen it no oh, oh it made your list Nathan? no to see like i said i'm a, I'm a oh, big oh, fan oh, of like, yeah i haven't just, had a chance oh, to see it. it yeah it's uh i like i said i, I for, forgot all about this movie <laughs> that was out there there's too yeah. many too many yeah yeah it was really fun I think you guys would like it. Yeah. Uh, you saw Crawl, didn't you, uh, Christian? Didn't you review it? I'm pretty sure I did, yeah. That's one with the, the alligator. Like, there's the, the storm and there's alligators and they're stuck under the house, right? You know there's a Chinese ripoff of that movie that came out last year called Escape from Shark? <laughs> and it was about a shark in a house. And it's just, yeah. And, yeah. Oh, my oh, my goodness. God bless. God bless. <laughs> like, CG good? Don't need. <laughs> so... Okay, uh, let's see. So, let me see. Oh, goodness, I guess it's my turn again. Uh, let's see. How would I top Spider-Man? Uh, let me just get this uh, Let me get this one out of the way. Uh, the Suicide Squad. Now, you're yeah. going you're gonna to think all my movies are going to be superhero movies. You'd be wrong. But, I, but for some reason, I had more fun with The Suicide Squad than any comic book movie I saw in years except for Spider-Man. And to be honest with you, maybe even more fun because the movie is so gloriously stupid. And it revels in being stupid, but smart, stupid, not dumb, stupid. Yeah. Uh, I, did you see it, Christian? Uh, I, I did. Uh, I can't say that I really liked it. I, I hated the first Suicide Squad. Yeah. I actually can't stand the idea of the Suicide Squad. I think it's a stupid premise. But I did find this one way more entertaining than the first one because it is big and over top and silly. Uh, but I thought it was pretty average. But you know, only because of yeah. You know, it's better than the first attempt at it. I think yeah. it's because I'm I'm into these superhero uh, projects like The Boys on Amazon, or even Invincible. Yeah, so the Boys is awesome. Yeah, The mm. Boys is The Boys is awesome. If The Boys was a movie, it'd be on the top near the top of my list. But um, I like the idea that adults can enjoy a movie for adults, and you know, it start. I think the whole thing started with um, uh, what's his name? Not Daredevil. Oh goodness. Uh, oh my goodness. What's his name? Ryan Reynolds. Deadpool. Deadpool. Oh my goodness. I'm yeah. just so many dead death death. But you know the idea that you're an adult, you can enjoy this type of humor. You can enjoy characters mm-hmm. blowing each other's heads off because you know it's fake. Like he yeah. he kills people with polka dots. You know yeah. you have you have you have a man eating shark played by Sylvester Stallone. See the has, shark was awesome. Sorry. <laughs> by the way, no 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 exactly. He's and he's got the most emotional arc <laughs> in the whole movie. And then he eats people. It's it's just stupid fun, and honestly, I don't really care for John Cena, but he's kind of good in this. I think he's got that series yeah. now on HBO, The Peacemaker. Peacemaker is awesome, by the way. Which is, is it? I, it surprised me. I uh, I wasn't like I wasn't a fan of like the latest Suicide Squad, but uh, I don't know why, man. I just watched Peacemaker and I loved it. So uh, I think Peacemaker is, it is still fantastic. James Gunn. Did he direct it too? Uh, he's, he directs most episodes, and I think he's written most episodes. He's, he's like the showrunner. I think he's the showrunner on it too. See, yeah. We this movie exists because James Gunn made offensive tweets, and Disney fired him, so he took his butt to Warner Brothers, made this, and he's back with Disney. I wish he would stay with Warner Brothers. He's better suited for the guy started in trauma films, but no, I, I love um, the yeah, I love the idea that it's kind of like Mystery Men was my favorite my favorite movie when I was a kid at one point. Yeah, um, and I love the idea that it was just like this ragtag ridiculous superpowers and like 
and James Gunn was just like, I'm going to go sift through all these old superheroes and just find the guys who are in, like, one issue. and Exactly. The most asinine superpowers, like Polka Dot Man and, like, the Arm <laughs> Fall Off Boy or whatever the guy's name. And, like, I'm going to put them all together. And he broke, like, every rule in this movie, and it was so good. Oh, and, and, exactly. The best like, part, like... He kills everybody at the first two minutes. Yes, Everybody's dead. So good. Yeah, he just kills <laughs> them like all. Pete Davidson, uh, the other guy who's in Castle, the um, the guy from Michael Rooker. Like he kills all these guys. Like half of this cast, you think? Yeah, is Na- it's Nathan Fillion, right? Cast. Yeah, Nathan Fillion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like the scene where uh, Idris Elba, who I think is phenomenal in this, by the way. Uh, He's he's having that com- he's in jail and he's having that conversation with his daughter who comes to visit him and they just start <laughs> swearing at each other. You think it's going to be this big like emotional no. moment where he realizes he's a terrible dad, but he's like, no, I didn't want you. Like, why are you still? <laughs> and he just like starts swearing at her, and it's like no movie would ever try to do this. And it's I think it's brilliant. I, every every moment I think he's going to do one thing. James Gunn he does something else in this movie and it's well, so fun. You know, like, I don't know if you guys saw King Richard, but I love Will Smith, but Will Smith was so ill-cast in the first one in every way. He's too nice. Idris Elba yeah. can do these can do these roles better. Not that we're just swapping out one, you know, black guy with a mustache for another black guy with a mustache. But, we, but that's the way the movie wants you to think. It's like these characters are interchangeable. And the reality is we don't really care about them. I don't care about these characters. I, don't, I didn't grow up reading these comic books. I don't care if they blow each other away. I just know they're fighting a giant starfish. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and Harley Quinn was that's her best she's ever been in all three. Yeah, movies she's been the uh, the other the, what was that what was that movie you reviewed, Christian? The other Harley Quinn movie, um, that Birds of Prey. Yeah, the one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh, it's garbage. Yeah, yeah it's garbage. And um, but uh, so even if you didn't really love Suicide Squad, I think we can all say it's better than the first Suicide Squad, and it's much better than yeah. the Harley Quinn movie. So. Anyway, yeah, it's got memorable character. Like I say, even though I didn't like, I thought it was pretty average overall. I didn't really say I liked it. I still like. Certain it made me laugh. I, I love the show. Yeah, I'll say that it made me laugh. Shot. Yeah, and the and you know, I, mean, I like violent movies. The violence was on point. Like it was, it was great. But like, yeah. you know, I like and I, because I hated some of these characters when they were meat acts. I loved it. I'm like, oh, there's another <laughs> annoying character. It's great. So. <laughs> I just like I said, I, I liked it. I like watching a superhero movie where I didn't feel emotionally manipulated, and when I yeah. did, it was by a shark. Yeah, so. it's funny they kill. Funny they kill Harley Quinn. Sorry, I can't stand her, uh, that character. That's probably why I don't really like it as well. She's but, she's yeah. nothing like the cartoon Harley Quinn. But um, yeah. okay, so that's it for a Suicide Squad. So uh, what? Who's next? I think we're back to Christian. Uh, Christian, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, all right. What do I got next? One. So the next one I've got here, uh, it's called The Night House. Um, so this one, I don't know if many people have sort of heard of this one. It's kind of this. Uh, it's like a horror mystery kind of thriller um slow pace as well uh, it's about a, a widow and um basically her husband has recently died and then she starts to learn that uh he's kept all these secrets from her um and as she starts kind of delving into his past she just kind of discovers that he wasn't the man that she thought uh, that she thought he was and that's, and that's pretty you know you hear that plot all the time but like he was an architect and so she lives in this house that's by that's by like a lake and then she discovers that, you know, he's built another house that mirrors the house that they currently live in. And she starts seeing, uh, like, sort of paranormal activity, like, but, you know, starts occurring in the play. And then she just kind of uh, becomes like a detective to try and find out what, what happened, like, what was, her, what was her husband into. And it's just got, like, it's like, 
I think you wrote my review. Other than the end, the ending's a little bit, you know, the last two minutes kind of ruined it. But it's like 98% like the perfect sort of uh, film of this type. Like the, it's just like, the, what's the director's name? It's David, David Bruckner. And uh, it's like the pacing, the tone, it's really old school and that like there's just little things that, that pop in and it's not relying on just, uh, it's not over the top. It's just real subtle atmosphere. It's something that you want to watch in the dark. And um, and she's just a great character as well. Uh, was it lead Rebecca Hall? Yeah, Rebecca and, Hall. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> it's just a, it's just a great uh, suspenseful, uh, I guess psychological horror film. Um, like I say, it's not it's not like graphic, uh, overly violent or anything like that. But it's just a great um, it's just a great journey for the audience to go through. It's probably the best way I can explain. It. It's just it's just a um, yeah, like an almost perfect film of this type uh, when I, I was just so impressed when i walked out of the cinema i loved it have did you see this one ethan i did not um it was on my list uh my watch list but i never got to uh i never got to see it i think i was looking uh i remember i was looking i saw this film christian it was on my list to see i i only time i saw rebecca hall stuff last year was when i was actually shocked to find out she wrote and directed a movie that people are loving <laughs> they the movie passing <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah. Did you have you did you see? Uh, Passing is not on my list. Uh, no, it's not my best. Neither. At least not on my best of list. Um, it's on my worst of list. But she wrote and directed. Yeah, movie called Passing, which maybe cool. we'll talk I, about later. Okay, I've never heard, never heard of it. I'm, it's I'm, a horror movie in its own right. Yeah, it's okay. it's uh <laughs> it's it's a movie that was assembled. I'll say that. Which, uh, which by the way, by the way, for all the love that that movie got. Um, the one thing that was good about it that everyone thought was gonna like earn it praise, it didn't even get that. The yeah, Ruth, because, Ruth Nega didn't get because nobody liked that movie, Ethan. They all said they no, did, but nobody, crazy. nobody know, did. Because yeah, because they had yeah, they had, they felt guilted into liking mm-hmm. it. I think exactly. Yeah. It's but but um, let's not take away from uh, the Nighthouse, which actually sounds pretty awesome. So that's yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm putting yeah. that down on my list. Yeah, that sounds it sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so Ethan next. For you yeah um so the next one i want to talk about is um i know we're in like in the age of time loops and stuff mm-hmm. but uh like the resurgence but um it's a time loop movie and it's and it might not be the one you think i'm gonna say but it's called the map of tiny perfect things and, no. and it's a time loop rom-com uh and this oh, one takes, this one. Okay. Yeah, it was another Amazon movie, uh, ironically, but um, it kind of takes that the concept and inst- like all the time loop movies have like a hook or like a you know a new twist on the concept, but this one instead of focusing on you know like where boss level was like okay, uh, there it kind of has its own hook on the time time thing. This one kind of focuses more like on granule aspects of of living in a world that is a time loop where so like it's it's about the the main character the guy and the girl and they they discover that each other is living in a time loop then they start thinking okay like let's not just be subjected to our prison let's like try to enjoy and find the best out of our loop and so they they make a map of the town and um like pinpoint all the cool stuff that happens throughout this day and so like uh you know just random little like snapshots of life that if you saw, you'd be like, Oh, I saw something really cool today. And it's just, they find all of those moments throughout this one day in this one town. And it's really just a beautiful movie. And, um, it's funny. And 
it kind of finds its uniqueness, I think, in its charm, uh, rather than, you know, uh, a specific hook. You know, like, Palm Springs had, like, the really, high, like, scientific aspect of this dude who's grown lethargic over being in, in a time loop, but... Um, and there's kind of like an actual reason for him being in it, but this one's just kind of it's kind of explores this world, kind of like Groundhog Day did, but it's even that concept's even more front and center, I think. Uh, and it also has like one of the best first acts I've ever seen, uh, setting it where where it sets up the time loop. Um, uh, in a lot of the, these movies, it's kind of that that section is kind of a little more routine. Like in Boss Level, that, I liked Boss Level, but the first act felt really kind of does the whole cutesy thing with the time loop but uh yeah it just had some really really fun ideas and creative um decisions that that the director's name was ian samuels and i hadn't seen anything else that he he only did one other movie that i that i'd heard of but yeah you guys see this one i did not see this one but i know the actress because i think christian i think you really liked that uh actress in the uh oh. catherine was it catherine freaky Newton? In Freaky. Yeah, right? she was in Freaky, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I have the actress yet. Yeah. Boss Level was interesting because it was basically a way to justify the time loop as a video game. But Yeah, that was it was cool. I did like Boss Level, but... Boss Level was awesome. Can you imagine, yeah. though, like, greenlighting Palm Springs and the, the map of Tiny Perfect Things? <laughs> trying to, like, say, no, it's like this, but different. But... Yeah. Because one was Hulu and one was Amazon, so it's kind of like Deep Impact and Armageddon a little bit, like kind of the same. Yeah, I, I would have almost was go ahead. No, I was gonna say kind of the same, but kind of different. Yeah, I would have almost kind of rather the map of tiny things. It would have been uh, not rather, but it would have been cool to see it as a series and kind of uh, not like Russian Doll where there's like a like a point like a kind of progression to it, but. Uh, I just liked living in the world of the time loop, and, and a lot of the time loop movies, um, and, and it, this is a fun aspect of them, you know, they're trying to discover why they're here, they're trying to discover how they get out of it, whereas this one kind of just, you live in this world, and it's, but yet it still progresses this romance between these two people, and how the loop kind of affects that, the romance, uh, it's kind of just hard, to, it's hard to explain, you just gotta see it, I recommend it for people who are even kind of it's on uh, it's on Amazon, right? Yeah, it's a prime prime movie. Okay, well, you know it's funny. I, I I learned this nerd fact while we were talking. Um, the girl from Freaky and the director, the guy who made Freaky, starring the girl from Map of Tiny Perfect Things, also made two time loop movies himself. He made um, Happy Death Day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's a big high concept guy. He uh, he does the high concept thing well. We need more. I'm glad we're calling it time loop movies instead of Groundhog's Day movies because it. Yeah. Well, now, yeah. There's so. Yeah, there's so many of them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so next, going up next, I think who is next? Is that me? Yeah, it's you. Yeah. Ah, damn it. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna name a movie that's gonna surprise you both. But Ethan, you already mentioned this movie briefly, or maybe yeah. you, Christian. Uh, I'm gonna recommend the movie Nobody. Oh yes. I I know I know Christian you saw it but did, did you saw it too, Ethan? Oh uh, yeah, I not only saw it. It's my it's tied with Pig for my my favorite personal favorite. Really? Like, now that's that's could, surprising. Yeah, the one I could watch, and, and as far as like the one that I could watch, like just throw on and, and watch anytime. I, it was so much fun for me. But go ahead. Well, let me ask you guys a question. So a lot of people compared this movie to, um, uh, like we mentioned with Pig, it compared it to uh, John Wick. And I know some of the people involved in this movie worked on John Wick. 
Yeah, same uh, screenwriter, I think. And I, I know that we got a movie with uh, Better Call Saul Man himself as an action star, and we got Christopher Lloyd with a machine gun. But I'm going to just ask Christian. So, Christian, what did you like about Nobody? Um, well, I'm a big fan of uh, Bob Odenkirk. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's always a plus there. But uh, it was just like, um, I think I even said something in my review of it. It's like, a, like, I'm a big fan of John Wick, and I kind of called it, I think, the poor man's John Wick, but aimed for, for a bit more comedy. And I, just, I just love those movies where you just see, like, old dudes kick the crap out of, <laughs> out of people. Like, you know, the, the guy trying to live a normal life, trying to assimilate, and then, like, trouble comes their way. And then uh, they just... I don't know. I'm a big fan of that. You know, they, you know, the hero taking out overwhelming odds, and I don't know. It just, um, I don't know. It was, it was violent. It was guns. I don't know, man. I'm, a, I'm very much a, a boy in that, in that regard. You know, the, the 90s action movies. I just, I just dug it. Like I said, I just, like I said, I'm a big fan of John Wick, and mm-hmm. this was very much like, like John Wick, but with an even older guy uh, who was even more retired, and uh, minus the dead dog. You know. So uh, yeah, it was cool. I, um, I did not recognize. Michael Ironside when I first saw him on there. I was it took me for a shock that he how fat he'd gotten. Oh yeah. Is he play, is he play the bad guy in that? Or who which, who is he who's he play? Like his He's the, he's the bit, boss, isn't he? Yeah, the boss. The but he's Oh, that's right. Okay. He's so he he looks so fat. Like I'm not trying to fat shame, but that's not how I looked at my girl. I think the problem is he's always looked old and bald, and now that he is old and bald, it doesn't look natural to me. But Christopher Lloyd machine gun yeah, yeah. If it's, if it, it's uh, I'm I'm actually not a big John Wick fan. At least I mean I've only seen the first one. I I was never super inclined to see the rest of them. But um, I know that's super. I'm in the minority there. But I I just it, it's not that it's not a good movie. I just never connected to it. But um, this one I think kind of digs a little deeper and fleshes out the character a little more. And also I mean Bob Odenkirk <laughs> objectively has more personality than Keanu Reeves. That's true. Uh. And he's like very interesting as a comedian because he started in comedy with the sh- uh, Mr. Show, um, and he he uh, kind of doesn't do the typical comedian does action thing. He he's almost like too good at playing a serious guy. Have you guys watched um, Have you guys watched Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad? Like his arc yeah. on there, he's yeah yeah he's he's fantastic. Like the I think they're coming up to his last uh, the last season. I think. You know, he famously had a heart attack while filming, you know, yeah, the, new, right. the last season. Yeah, yeah but but you look at someone like Odenkirk, like you can expect Keanu Reeves to kick a little ass because of his history in action films, but nobody expects Bob Odenkirk to be that guy, which I think yeah. almost makes it a little more realistic, like that you more believable, like unbelievable that you can make that switch because he's not yeah. cool and graceful. He's, you know, he's a, he's a, literally he's a nobody. And I like how the director kind of, you know, a lot of these movies, are, they flip a switch and all of a sudden they know all this stuff, but he kind of eases him into remembering his skills. Like that bus scene, he they show him like falling down, getting hit, and like he's still learning, like relearning the skills that he used to be a master at. And, you know, it's not just going to come back to you instantaneously, but I like how they kind of showed that progression. And then um, there's kind of, they showed, uh, the director kind of did some Wolfman details and like there's the, the pinball machine and then. Um, then they showed the full moon. I don't know. I, I, I like this whole Wolfman analogy that was made too. It was kind of fun. Yeah, it was a. Good, it was a. I I loved nobody. And, I couldn't stop talking about it after it came out. And there is one thing that I loved about it is that you see the results of the violence, and yeah. so many times. Like I think what was the movie with Charlize Theron, Atomic Blonde? Like they did that a little bit in there too. But you 
like, sometimes these movies, these action movies, especially older people like Liam Neeson, kick-ass movies, like they don't really, they're not part of the world. They're just like wish fulfillment. But mm. I think nobody is a is a much better film than them. I think it shows you the it shows you the results of what happens when you slam somebody's arm on a metal pole, or you know you remember the fight in the bus, the one I'm talking about where he oh, kicks yeah. on the kids. Yeah, that that's that's so much more entertaining than anything in like a big budget action movie I've seen in the well, long time. Compare that versus the Shang Chi. Oh please, bus, which, even... which was like not even comparable. Like I mean. They're both very similar scenes, actually, if you think about it. But yeah. this one just had the, the choreography in Nobody was just so good. And mm-hmm. like I was saying earlier, very was visceral. Little, yes. Yeah, it really was. And there, there was a lot of – even the movies I wasn't as big of a fan of the movie, the action in it was really great. Like Kate, Gunpowder Milkshake, I thought. The protege even had some really good stuff. Um, yeah, I don't – yeah, it was really good. It was, it was one of my favorite action movies I've mm-hmm. seen in, in – I am a, so happy that you guys like I thought I'd be the only one. Ah, so no, yeah. it almost it, it would have been on my list, but I've just got a. I enjoyed so many movies this year. I'm like, I'm sure someone will mention nobody. So I'm glad you did. There you go. Okay, nobody it is. So Christian, back to you. Let's let's go. Let's keep it moving. Okay, cool. Um, the next one I, I got here, uh, we've got Nicolas Cage again. <laughs> uh <laughs> oh. And um, which this one? Is, this is a. It's kind of like a mixed bag. It's like an action comedy horror. Uh, and it's called <laughs> Willy. It's called Willy's Wonderland. Yes. Really? Uh, th- and this movie is like blew me away. It's fantastic. It's it's a bit. It's it, I don't know if you call it B grade. It's like good B grade. Like it's hard to explain. But essentially, you've got this guy. Oh, he, and he doesn't. Uh, Nicholas Cage doesn't speak a word of dialogue in this whole film. Like it, he's got no no dialogue. It's just silent the whole time. And so he's like this drifter. Is his car? If I remember correctly, his car breaks down. And he needs to get some money to. He's got no money to, to fix it or whatever. So he needs his tire replaced, I think. And uh, and anyway, so he gets a just a job uh, as a janitor at this uh, place that's shut down called Willy's Wonderland. And it's just one night, you know. He's got to go and last one night, clean the place up, uh, and he gets paid the next day by some real dodgy-looking Texas-looking guy, uh, cowboy. And uh, and what he doesn't realize is, is that uh, there's a whole bunch of animatronics. Uh, characters in this place because it used to be like for kids to go and, and have their like dinners and whatnot, and uh, they're all I don't know they're all like demonically possessed or something. And essentially, he's the sacrifice. Unknowledge. He's not meant to survive the night. But what you know, the this this cowboy doesn't realize is that uh that Nicholas Cage is no ordinary man, of course, and he just be, you know <laughs> kills these things off one at a time as the night progresses. And it's it's ultra violent. It's ultra over the top, and it's. But because of animatronics, like the blood is black and you can just go up top. And of course, there's like teenagers who go in there that like mess things up a bit. But it's just this stupid, over the top, <laughs> hilariously great, ridiculously and absurd story uh, where he doesn't say a word of dialogue. And, and the best thing is, he's dedicated to his job. So as, he's, as these things are trying to kill him, he'll, you know, beat the crap out of them and end their existence and obviously make a mess in the process, and then he'll continue cleaning up the joint because that's what he, he needs the money to get his car fixed. So he will continue going back to being a janitor in between killing these creatures. It's so good, man. It's, it's brilliant. I, I love the uh, curb stomp on the urinal with that one, <laughs> the gorilla guy. Did you um, Have you guys ever played the game Five Nights at Freddy's? No. Yes. You see, It's like they deny that this movie was inspired by that, but come on. Yeah, come on, it's come totally on, yeah. <laughs> come on, Could but uh, <laughs> but I mean, this is probably about as good as you're gonna you're gonna get Nicolas Cage beating up animatronics. So, 
What do you need? What else do you need? Um, yeah. I, I do want to mention, I haven't seen Willy's Wonderland, but I did see a movie based on your suggestion. It's not on my list of best or worst, but I did see Black Friday. And that, that Oh, yeah. And did, did you like Black Friday? Who saw Black Friday? Did you see it? Christian? I saw it. it did you see it? it? Yeah. Did you I see it, Christian? No. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the, it's very, very similar in concept where it's about a bunch of employees trapped in a store that on Black Friday and demons start taking over the store and zombies. And Bruce Campbell plays the boss of the store. And he's not quite manic <laughs> Bruce Campbell, but the movie's perfectly serviceable for what it is. But it's yeah, it's Willy's Wonderland sounds like a better movie, but yeah, it, it's it, 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 Willy's Wonderland kind of has a more consistent tone, I think. Whereas Black Friday is a little all over the place. Yeah, well, I remember to talk to you. I was like, I don't know if this should be like a, a positive or a negative review because I'm like, on one hand, it was a lot of fun, uh, but on the other hand, it was a terrible movie. Yeah, um, but, and I, it was it was it was the definition of like a B grade. movie. It didn't take itself seriously, which I think saved it. But um, yeah. For sure. Could have used more Nicolas Cage and less. Well, Devin Sawa, he's he's okay. He's 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 okay. He's become respectable. He's in a Campbell lot of these movies too. Yeah, like I said, it's it's okay. But um, no, I did see Willy's Wonderland. There was another animatronic movie that came out last year or the year before. It was based on an old '70s show. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, uh, um, Banana Splits. Yeah, Banana Splits. Did you? Yeah, did, I didn't see it. I didn't. I wanted to see that actually. I didn't get to see it. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's but it's like act, based on an actual property that somebody I guess got the license to and just decided to make an R-rated <laughs> creature feature out of it. Yeah. It's like making R-rated Bozo the Clown movie. Uh, but anyway, moving forward. So what's next on your list, Ethan? So I'm gonna go for another kind of horror movie here um, called A Quiet Place Part Two, which I'm I'm guessing you get, this one probably never, is like one never of the heard most... of that. What is that? Is that an indie <laughs> yeah. film? Yeah, it was, I mean, first the first Quiet Place, it, I think, is a perfect movie. I think it's absolutely brilliant. The visual storytelling, uh, John Krasinski, just, I, w- I was floored by how amazing he he did at directing that movie. Um, you know, a world where blind alien monsters have overrun the human population, and there's this family um, who, in the previous movie, spoiler alert, uh, the, the father dies at the end, and... I'm not sure I've ever seen a pair of movies um, other than, you know, The Lord of the Rings or something that was filmed simultaneously uh, that were this consistent from one to the other. Like you could put on part one and part two of Quiet Place and there it would feel like one continuous story. And it was really kind of cool, even though they're different movies. um, The sequel takes it into a logical direction where, okay, now that they've, you know, survived this immediate threat, what's next? Like, the father died what's going to happen next um and it, it expands the world perfectly uh and there's a 12 minute opening sequence where they actually show the day of you know d-day where the they first day one where they realize the aliens are attacked and it's the and and john krasinski kind of shows us what he can do with uh, when the concept's more generalized it plays like a disaster movie uh compared to like the slower more meditative you know uh um like almost like football field progression of the rest of the movie. Um, but it's still like one of that just 12 minute sequence is one of the best disaster movie sequences I've ever seen, even though it doesn't, uh, you know, necessarily fit into the rest of it per se, but it does because it, it just shows some really good context, but it's like, you know, it's like ballet, like watching that scene. Um, it's yeah, I, yeah. Love that. Bit. Yeah. I don't know if you guys, you guys saw it. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't see the second one. That's the movie oh, the they one. they delayed. Um, 
they delayed the second one so it could be in theaters, right? That was yes. a that was a big yeah, deal. Yeah, because if they were. Yeah, I remember they were you. Uh, I remember trying to get screeners back then, and you were like, "Yeah, they're like not releasing a screener for that movie." Yeah, it was like Fort Knox. But who who knew that John Krasinski would turn out to be like a great director? Really good director. I mean, two back. I mean, it's proof that the first one wasn't just an aberration. Like, he killed it on both of these movies. Well, and yeah. we and we love his wife too. Like Emily Blunt's a great actress. So yeah, she is. It works out well. Speaking of a loop movie, she was in that movie with Tom Cruise. That was a loop movie too. Remember? Yeah, yeah. Um, Edge of Tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Uh, that that name, that name for that movie. Didn't they change it to like Kill, yeah. kill Death Repeat or something? Live Die. Live Die. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. It didn't catch on. Nobody caught on to that second name. Great movie, by the way. Um, that is. Okay. Uh, you know what's funny though? I I got a lot of these movies mixed up because there's the one movie where you can't hear you. Then there's the other alien movie where you can't. C. Oh, uh, don't uh, don't breathe. <laughs> it was don't breathe. Don't yeah. and then uh, the one with Sandra Bullock. Then this one's like, we got to get all these movies together in a shared universe. Like the one <laughs> where you box, can't see. Don't yeah, <laughs> it's like let's make this work. <laughs> don't uh, taste, funny. you know. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, I need to. I do need to see the, both of these movies. By the way, I haven't seen either one. Full disclosure. Um, but not not because I don't want to. I do like these kind of things. Yeah, it looks they're, like a they're look, really looks like a video game. Um, okay, uh, I guess it's my turn. Uh, I'm going to name a movie that I know one of you doesn't like very much. So this is going to be controversial. Uh, I really dug the hell out of Mitchell's versus the Machines. It's actually what it's actually one of my favorite movies of 2021. Yeah, I do love that. Yeah, you love that. One. I do love this movie. Yes, um, it's nominated for best. Uh, what is it? Best animated picture. It's probably going to lose to yeah. Encanto just because. But um, I'll say this: Did you? It's better, than, it's better than Encanto for sure. Well, what are the other nominees for best animated film? Uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, which was garbage. Ryan the Last Dragon is forgettable. Flea, Flea, which I didn't see. And then there's one other one yeah, well, that the, I thought it's Luca. And Luca, oh yeah, that's right, Luca. Luca's good. Yeah, but Mitchell's first the machine. I don't think it's just a ripoff. I, there's an energy there that I wasn't expecting when I first saw it. Um, I don't know if you guys, uh, Christian, have you seen it? I have. Uh, I remember you telling me how much you loved it, and I and I watched it. Yeah. Um, I I got to remember. I can't really remember too much about. It. I think I thought it was okay. I remember. I don't think I liked it as much as you did, but I thought it was okay from what I from what I remember of it. Well, I know that there's some there's some slight politics at the end, but. The, the movie mixes animation styles in a way that you don't normally see on a family-oriented thing. And there's something about the voice cast and just the frivolity of it. And I, I, I kept expecting it to be like a dream, one of those ghastly DreamWorks animated films. And it never does that. It stays put. I thought the humor... Like I said, you, how many of these movies have we seen where families have to take on aliens? It's, it's kind of a genre. But for some reason, for some reason, I can't really explain it unless you see it. The movie has a good vibe. It feels fun. It doesn't feel exploitive. Um, the the laughs are genuine. Like I said, the artistry is much, much... There is not a shred of artistry in Ryan the Last Dragon. Ryan the Last no. Dragon is the biggest plagiarism I've seen Disney do to a, a, a license they don't own since, like, The Lion King. Because they're totally ripping off, like, Korra and the Last Dragon. Uh, what is it? Korra and uh, the, the Last the Dragon. Yeah, it's and just, it's just yeah, it's just, it's like we can't get this franchise. We'll just make our own copycat version. Yeah, talk about live, die, repeat. Right? Jesus, and you know, like let's put Aquafina in everything. You know, <laughs> we can't, 
we can't make Mushu in Mulan. We can't have Wisecracking Dragon, but we can have a Wisecracking Dragon in Raya. It's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. Um, and I have nothing against Luca. Not that I'm com- these movies are competing, but Luca to me is, is subpar Pixar. Yeah, it is. And, and Encanto is not a good movie because it's not really a movie. It's There's no movie there. There's just one good song with a bunch of filler. But again, they're not really necessarily, well, I guess they are competing. But um, no, for my money, it's Mitchell's versus the Machines. I think it's a movie I can watch again. I'll watch it again and I'll find something new about it. It just felt fresh. It felt fresh in a way I wasn't expecting. And I like that sort of feeling. Like, Yeah. As, as much as it did, like some parts rubbed me the wrong way, I guess. But I did. It was memorable. I will say, like the alien. I mean, the aliens. The robots were hysterical. By the way, I, there were a couple moments where I was belly laughing um, at those stupid two robots. I <laughs> think draw the yeah their faces on the screen. Yeah, it was really. It was a lot of fun. And I think yeah. um, there was another movie that came out uh, early this year, in 2022, that has the exact same storyline. By the way, it's. Uh, let me see if I can find it for you real quick. Oh yeah. It's Ron. What is that movie? It's that cartoon. Oh, Ron was wrong or something. Yeah, Ron was wrong. It's the same basic story where Silicon Valley okay. creates AI buddies and then they take over the world. So you can see where the you know the derivations already happening. But I don't know. I'm not. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna win Best Picture or anything. But if you want to watch a fun animated movie that you can watch with the kids and not feel stupid, yeah. And let's be honest. Anytime you have a really fun, every time you have a movie where the dad's played off like a dork, but he turns out to be the hero. I'm a sucker for that. So yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was a cool twist too. Um, I, I will say I didn't see Flea, but that one's got some uh, momentum. That too, reminds so. me. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but that's like Waltz with Bashir. Remember that? That was uh, like a documentary that was animated over. Yeah, documentary. Yeah, it, and it's and it's not a. It's not. Yeah, it's not a kids movie. It's it's just no. an animated documentary. Um, versus the other four. I mean, it, so it kind of like, uh, you know, subverts the uh, the the purpose of having a best animated feature i think it it does it makes you look look at the nominations like these are all like children's films and you have this one hardcore documentary feature (laughs) that doesn't belong there it's like heavy metal compared Uh, to oliver and company or something oh my god it's like metallica versus like taylor swift it just doesn't belong there um okay uh so christian let's bring it back to you uh how many more do you have on your best of list um, let's see, I had 10, but we've been doubling up, so I've got like one, two, three, four. I've got another five. Okay, so let's yeah. let's let's run through these, and then we can go, we can close it off after that. So what do you got okay. next? Okay, um, so this is me definitely going with a mainstream film here, um, and only because I'm a sucker <laughs> for this genre. Uh, I loved No Time to Die, the, ah. the last the last James Bond film with uh, with Daniel Craig, and uh, you know like. What's this say? Essentially, okay, big spoiler alert, guys. This is like Uh-oh. the last one, the last one that he's in because uh, he <laughs> dies at the end, right? Yeah. And uh, and I think that's why I loved it because it just concluded, like you know, you see so many franchises where actors say they're coming back, they're not coming back, and you know they they find a way to bring him back later on when it's kind of too late. This one, they're like, you know what? We still got Daniel Craig while he can still crack out one more film, and uh, they got him in. You know, another big silly big spy story. Let's face it, James Bond. You know, there's nothing. You know, it's, it's not Shakespeare. Um, it's not as good as Skyfall, but uh, you know what? I just, I just love that it was the farewell to this variant of James Bond. The, 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 the ending is, is like, you know, it's a nice emotional ending. Uh, you can see it coming a mile away, like what's going to happen. 
but uh, oh no, I just I just watched that movie. You know, it had all the, the action and and the spy story you expect from a James Bond film. And I'm a big fan of Daniel Craig. And you know what? It was just a you know it was a, a decent farewell film. We got cool. That's the way he's going to check out. That's the way he's going to check out. Saving the world. I love, you know I, I walked away very satisfied with it. Oh no, I was going to say I I found out that the the uh, spoiler ahead of time, so yeah. it kind of ruined it for me because I I think it really kind of hinges on that. I would have hinged on it. I, it was a fun movie. Don't get me wrong. Um, it just I wanted. I think I would have liked it a lot more if I didn't see that coming. I mean, I could have probably assumed it, but I didn't assume it. And then I saw the spoiler, and I was like, ah, come on. Well, um, so. what do you think though? I mean, they're not going to stop the franchise. It's going to keep going as long as they make money. And this movie made a lot of money. I think it's one of the top grossing movies of twenty twenty one. So, what do you think is next for James Bond? Are they well? They're going to recast, right? Do you think they're going to go younger? Do you think they're going to go same age? What do you think? Any predictions? I, I think Idris Elba would be a knockout James Bond. Why they does everybody about it say that? Oh, yeah, well, they have talk, they ever... well, they talked about it at one point, and he was, and I was like, dude, that would be a good idea because he's, I mean, he's growing into one of my favorite actors, um, and I could see him doing like that, uh, you know, very uh, broody brooding uh, like secret agent who's you know had a life of killing people and you know is kind of over it but kind of still doing it uh although i like the reboot thing that they did with the daniel craig saga mm-hmm. but um i think if they're gonna go just like straight forward from here on out i think he'd be a cool james bond what do you think christian Predictions? Uh, I, I love uh Idris elba as well i mm-hmm. think he would have been a great james bond 15 years ago He's uh, fifty, yeah, like, right? He's fifty something. Yeah, right? he's 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 too old, man. Like it's a really demanding role, I and mean, that's one of the reasons why Daniel Craig, when he when he, you know, uh, made when he had his comments about playing the role, it's a very physical, physically demanding role. And uh, and if you want to get like three, four, you know, because they're gonna like make another franchise series out of whoever is next. Idris Elba, I think he's fantastic, but he's too old now. Like they should have. If you're gonna get him, you, you get him fifteen years ago. <laughs> get whatever you know your four or five films over 15 years and then like he's at the age now where you get you know it's time to kill him off you know he's he's too old <laughs> now so um but if they if they can find someone else like him that same charisma um yeah i mean I, yeah i would have liked to have seen an idris one but now it's you know that in that boat has sailed so but yeah they'll, they'll find another one they'll, they'll get someone else yeah. and uh, i heard Steve. i heard the, i heard um uh dwayne johnson wants to play <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> sorry but he's got sorry he's got to be british i'm sorry yeah, uh, and, that would be awful. And and he also that, has to be a good actor, right? <laughs> and that that right, like how subtle? Could you imagine like the, the Rock walking in, oh, <laughs> doing all that spy stuff? No, no, I loved him in that one. Was it Red? Uh, that Red that, Notice, that, yeah. Yeah, I like right, Red he, Notice too, he, yeah. He's great. He's great in that. I don't know. I love Dwayne Johnson. I'm a fan of the Rock. But uh, sorry, bud, you're you're no James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Nathan? Did you ever see that SNL skit where? Uh, the Rock played Superman badly, like his costume was sticking out of his arm. He's like, and he's like, "Oh, where's Superman? I don't know. It's Clark Kent. He's really funny." Um, yeah. But I got a cheat for you that will satisfy both of you. So mm. apparently, they're trying to get Henry Cavill to be the new James Bond. Which, honestly, that would be the safe choice. But here's my choice. Here's my prediction: yeah. Go younger. Do origin story if you have to. Do James? No. Do James Bond as a recruit, right, coming out MI6, and get Idris Elba to play M. Ooh, that'd be good. As, yeah. his, as his mentor. As his mentor. Yeah. That'd be cool. You know that'd what I mean? Cool. Get someone like – get like a young British actor like Nicholas Holt or something. 
like, you know, get someone who's young enough that they can handle the role but can handle a franchise and just go from there. If you're going to do it, just go ahead and do it. Get someone young. But no, I, yeah, yeah I, I would love to see Idris Elba either as M or as a villain. Like yeah, a, he definitely like, gonna... he belongs in that world for sure, but just he's too old to be born. But yeah, yep. but he's fantastic. I'm a big fan. I think they're going to go with that girl who was the other 007 from the No Time to Die. I, I, I think they're going to keep James Bond male, and I think they're going to keep him white. Um, they've come out, they've come out, said he's going to be male. Uh, he's going to be male, and okay. he's going to be British, but they haven't specified, like, what ethnicity. But yeah, he's yeah, going to be male and British. Because it, it'd be a different character. It'd be a different character yeah. if it was a female, I think. I don't think, I think. Yeah. yeah. They're just, like I said, I, I mean, that would be interesting to see a female James Bond, like, or fe- a female 007, but they're not going to do it because there's too much money to be made, and they're not going to rock the boat. It's just how it goes. It's, it's mm-hmm. just the way franchises are. Okay. Uh, great choice. I haven't. Um, I actually haven't seen it yet. I wanted to see it in cinema, but I didn't have a chance. Uh, but Ethan, what is your next film? Okay, next movie I got uh, is a um, Academy Award nominee for Best Picture. Um, it's called Coda, about which stands for Ch- Child of Deaf Adults or Children of Deaf Adults. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a uh, 17 or 18 year old girl high school senior um with deaf parents her brother's also deaf <clears throat> her older brother and um it's kind of just shows how she's transitioning into an adult um and how she's getting ready to move on to college she's thinking about she's a really great singer uh she's taking music classes um which is interesting because her family's never heard her sing so they're like what like are you good like what is what is this and um it i mean it won't go down as like technically like the best movie of the year necessarily but very few movies you will ever watch uh will move you like like this movie i think will move you on on just a unanimous basis i everyone has seen this has been like wow you i got some good news for you powerful i got some great news so i got an email today from apple about this movie and they are putting this movie back in theaters for free oh cool so yeah so if you haven't seen it yet you can go see coda for free in theaters. Oh, they're oh, they're like like you can watch it for free. Yeah, you can go right. You can go watch it for free. Yeah, just go look it up. You that's, can go see it. So they really kind of... Apple really wants you to see this movie in theaters. <laughs> I mean, it, I don't know. Have you guys seen this this movie? Haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to. I mean, no, I haven't seen it. I mean, no. I it was one of those movies I, I saw it and I was like, okay, like I, I, everyone says it's good and I'll watch it, um, maybe. But it, you know, it was just kind of like okay, it's probably one of those like misery porn things or I don't know like. I, I mean, um, and then it got nominated for Best Picture, and I was like, okay, well, now I got to watch it. So I watched it, and I was like, wow. Like, that, it, it, I, it got me, like, three separate times, uh, and it wasn't because it was depressing or anything. It's just, like, emotionally gripping. It just, like, rips, tugs at your heartstrings. And, but it's also hilarious at other times, uh, at other moments, and um, it also kind of reminded me, and I saw Sound of Metal, too, which was one of my favorite movies of, of last year. Uh, and it's kind of just a reminder of how unique comedy can be when, when a movie has sign language scenes and not just because of the unconventionality of the scenarios necessarily, but just, you can do creative things with the timing, especially when you have like someone who's, who's deaf and then you have someone who, who doesn't speak ASL and just kind of like miscommunications are, and, and, and it kind of plays on that a lot. And it, there are some really funny moments, uh, uh, and the the guy who plays the dad, uh, he's nominated for an Oscar actually for best supporting actor, and he was really really good. Like all 
all three moments I think that were like the memorable moments uh, were involving him and his character. Um, and yeah, she comes from a fishing family too, so they really rely on her to be the ears on the boat, and and then like the fishing age whatever agency or whatever is kind of getting on them because she stops going out with them on the on the on the sea uh and so they turns out they're breaking rules by just being out there without someone who can hear uh and so it just kind of talks about that and it's just yeah it's, you, it's very very good you know what's funny um you had this movie coda you also had uh of course drive my car and you also have um uh what's the other movie the eternals we have main characters that have, you know, very specific disabilities when it comes to talking and hearing. Yeah. And with with no exception, I think all three films handled those disabilities really well, cinematically, and found ways around them. And I think that's pretty good. Like you hear about inclusion a lot and ableism, but I think these are movies that uh, do it the right way and don't feel exploitive. So. Yeah. No, it, it didn't at all. And I, did you guys see Sound of Metal by chance? I. Is that the one with Riz? What's his face? Uh, yeah, Ahmed. Ahmed? No, I haven't. I mean, yeah, that, talk it. about it. That's another really, really good one. And I mean, they're not. These two movies are not even close. They're just both focus on um, deaf culture and and stuff. But uh, where that one talks about a guy who's becoming deaf, this one uh, kind of shines light on somebody who is the sole hearing person in in a family of deaf people, which is a, a different angle. Uh, and how she's kind of trying to live her own life while still uh, acknowledging that her family does depend on her have way more heavily than a normal family would depend on their 18-year-old daughter. So, well, really good. Recommend it. Go see it in theaters for free, courtesy for free, of Apple. Yeah. Courtesy That's of awesome. Apple. You just, you just make sure your theater's playing it, though. They said major theaters, so. Okay. I assume AMC's part of that. Okay. So, who's next? Oh, is it me again? Goodness. Okay, I have two more movies on my list, and I'll make it quick. Next one is going to surprise you, because, Ethan, this one you're not going to agree with me on. But i got to tell you, I saw Power of the Dog. Oh, no. Yeah. Not not you, too. Yeah, me, too. Me, too. Oh, come on. But it's not my favorite movie (laughs) of the year, but I like it a lot. And i got to tell you something. First of all, let me just say this. Benedict Cumberbatch has become one of our great actors. Can I say that? You agree with that? Uh, I I do I do like him. I liked him more in, in uh, uh, this in this movie than The Electric Life of Louis Wayne, even though I like that movie better. I haven't seen that yet, but I was thought you were going to say Spider Man for a second. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Christian, have you seen Have you seen Power of the Dog? Uh, yes, I have. I thought it was great. Okay, I will say this. Um, what are they? Are they? Paying you guys to say this? No, I think the the movies the movies really well made, and I I can see your complaints, but I will say this though: for just calling bets, I don't know. Let's just do this right quick. Yeah, uh, we may not agree with the choices, but I think if we're going to be betting on what picture is going to win Best Picture, it's probably going to be Power of the Dog, just because from it seems to have momentum behind it in a way that no yeah. other film has. I agree with you on that one. Um, but I really liked the. I really. I thought all the actors were great. I. I. I also was astonished to see that the actors are going to be competing against each other for the same statue. Like you have. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Jesse Plemons is nominated against. He Cody's. was really good. Yeah, Jesse, Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst are a good match. They're married in real life and have kids, and they they're yeah. together a lot, and they're always pretty good together. Uh, I just I like the slow burn. I do, I didn't care for the ending too much. I thought it was a little. 
a little hackneyed, and I think it brought it down. That a was little my bit. favorite part of it. That was really? my favorite part of it. I liked I liked the little twist at the end. Yeah. I yeah. I thought part. I thought the ending was great. <laughs> well, can I ask you a question? So, do we think did he kill him on purpose? Yeah, that's what I thought. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like, he like he's he sought out the infected hide, and created yeah. and no, made no, sure the rope was there. Not yeah. only that, I think that the if if that wasn't the case, I would have disliked it even more. I, I that earned it a lot of points. The fact that the the possibility that he did that, yeah. I really like that aspect of it. After watching it, because I was pretty sure that it was on purpose, I, I looked up an interview with the actor, and even he's like, "Yeah, yeah okay, it's all on purpose." Yeah. Okay, so I wasn't. So maybe it's not ambiguous at all. <laughs> maybe I'm I'm totally wrong, but it's um, subtle. It's subtle for sure. Well, the, I think that also the movie was really constrained, and I and I hate to be the guy that talks like this because it's ugh, but there is something to be said about having a female director like Jane Campion, who I, I do think is a very good director. I know she's been gone for a while, but I think you know had this been a little more exploitive movie, I think maybe the sexuality aspect would have been played up more than it was instead of just sort of alluded to because. I guess I expected to see more maybe sexual uh, like sexual acts on the screen, but instead they're just sort of brushed over. And I'm not disappointed by that, but it's it's just different. I wasn't expecting that. I was like, yeah, I thought something was going to happen. I think it was a missed opportunity. Um, like, yeah, it's just kind of you expect. I'm going, okay, something's going to happen. To you. Oh, okay, we're not going to see that. All right. Um, okay, I just yeah, it felt like exactly it's one of those movies. Like for example, there's a movie I'll get to that later on. But there's a movie where like they have a sex scene in there. I'm like, oh, why is this even in here? Like this, like it doesn't need to be here. Whereas, yeah, I agree. With you. I think something we needed to see something a little bit more between the two. Um, yeah, it just and it and it flitted by it, and it never happened. Hmm. It never happened, which I'm not ungrateful for. But but speaking of sex scenes, did you either of you guys see House of Gucci? No, I missed that one. Did you, I I saw it. I I have I have words about it, but it's got the most it's got the most silly sex scene I think I've ever seen in a big budget movie, and I don't even know if I'd call it a sex scene. Does it involve Jared Leto? No, although that would have been awesome. No, it involves uh, Lady Gaga, and it's just it's just kind of fun. Like there were many many movies in 2021 where Adam Driver has sex with other people, and there's there's a lot of just doubling down on on actors this year. Is that? I mean, I know there was a pandemic and like they probably cheaper, but a lot of probably cheap. Like we get you for five films. Yeah, I know. Um, but Power of the Dog, I think I just I really just struggled to care. Like I wanted to like it. it. It was shot really beautifully, and and I like slow burns. I mean, obviously, like Drive My Car mm-hmm. uh, is def for sure a slow burn, and that's uh, you know top three for maybe the best movie of the year. I um, and what's that? But I also want to say I I also really liked. Um, the score from Johnny Greenwood. Uh, I'm not a huge Radiohead fan at all, but for some reason Johnny Greenwood has turned out to be a very good composer for film. And that was great too. And I think that might even that might have even been the best score of the year. I, I mean, I and I think on a technical level, Power of the Dog just knocked it out of the park for me. It was just I was really struggling to care about the characters, even the characters I'm supposed to care about. I just was really having a hard time. It just I don't know. It just didn't click for me. I don't know why. I really don't. And I wanted, you know, I I I, I have a. Uh, a, uh, a secret need to love like weird highbrow <laughs> stuff, but uh, I don't know. Like I love the artsy farts. Like Nomadland was phenomenal. I like I I just was did not. It didn't click for me. I, that's about the, it. it. There was just no power in this dog for you. That's yeah. I was so I was so bored. I, I there were times when I was like rubbing my face and going da like like audibly grunting throughout the movie. I was just. 
I was getting antsy in my chair. I just couldn't focus. And I watched to drive my car the very next day, and I was like, okay, it's not just that I don't want a slow movie, which is, by the way, drive my car is three hours long. <laughs> um, so, and it's in a different language. I just was not feeling Power of the Dog for some reason. I just it's funny though because uh, my last thought is that I really I thought this was an acting piece more than anything else. And I think every single major character in this movie was nominated for an Academy Award, which is which is very unusual for a film like this. Yeah. And so but no, I like I said it's not going to be for everybody and the subject matter is a little a little all over the place, but like Christian, I think you and I agree. Like this is just a really well-made film that looks good. Like, a lot of Netflix movies look cheap. Can we be honest? Like, they, I don't know what yeah. they do. To, I don't know what they do to the color grading, the grading, or the cinematography. But this was an actual film from Netflix, and that was good. That's a good step forward. Yeah. And one more thing. One more thing on Power of the Dog, real quick. I want. They had that scene where he's like meets with his parents, and they're like, he. It shows that he kind of left. Uh, you know, a more. Uh, it shows the dichotomy. Well, he, he, yeah, he quit school, like, right? Yeah, he quits. Yeah, it's it kind of yeah, and, and he's really cold. He's really from like a really cultured background, and it shows the dichotomy, especially back then, of like this really like a like aristocrat family or whatever versus you know I think it was Montana or whatever, uh, and it shows that difference between. And I wanted a little bit more play on that in, instead of just one scene. Maybe them come back around to it in another scene. Um, well, he rejected. Yeah. He rejected that world, and he. Yeah, exactly. He could have lived in their academic world, but he rejected it for the farmland. Whereas his brother clearly wants to be in that world, but doesn't have the gifts yeah. for it. Um, exactly. Yeah. And by the way, just so if you're going to watch Power of the Dog, just be warned: there is a very graphic scene of which testicles get squeezed out of a nutsack from from bulls. So, just be prepared. That happens in this yeah. film, and it's very gross. So. But anyway, go, uh, it's true. You saw that. Like, whoosh, ah. Yeah, it's true. I wasn't expecting that in high definition. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's try to uh, zip through these ones if we can. So, Christian, what do you got next? All right, the next one I'm going to go with is Ghostbusters. I'm pretty sure you guys uh, mentioned it. Uh, possibly it might be on your list as well. But uh, I love Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was a really well done sequel that had like a good mix of nostalgia you know links to the uh the original ghostbuster films while bringing in new characters and um i don't know there was just something about the car okay i generally don't like movies that have child lead actors in it I'm, i don't know i just not there's not many kids that i like on screen that i you know can resonate with but i just thought the kids were really well done like the um the uh the daughter, oh man, what was the girl's name? Mackenzie something, right? McKenna Grace, is that her? McKenna Grace, that's the, what Yeah, McKenna Grace, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she played Phoebe, yeah. Um, McKenna Grace is just perfect for this role. Really um, yeah, she was just so good. Uh, and then, and, and there was just this build up throughout the whole film. Like, you had all the old gear, you had the car, the, the ghost busting gear, uh, gear as well, the tools. And, uh, you know, and you knew that the old cast were going to make an appearance at some point. And they bring back some of the old favorite, like the creatures, uh, like you know the the, the the demonic dogs and what. Dude, I just loved it. It was just like a you know a well-made sequel that pays homage to the original, brings back characters, and um, yeah, it was kind of like when Spider-Man reintroduced like the old Spider-Man at the end. At the end, uh, you know, when the original Ghostbusters appear, like everyone was just like, yeah, like I don't know, man. I, you know, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, you know, silly but fun. Uh, what can I say? You know what's you know what's really funny before you um, 
I just found out that when spoiler when Egon shows up as a ghost form at the end, mm-hmm. the the body double for him was actually Ivan Reitman. Wow, oh, rest rest in peace. By the, yeah, I was gonna say R.I.P. Who just passed away. So mm. yeah, I'm, wow. I'm I'm I've talked to Nathan about this. I'm not a huge fan of the original Ghostbusters. Don't hate it. I'm just kind of uh, you know apathetic maybe, but. Uh, I really, I thought. <laughs> well, he doesn't I, I like texted, he doesn't like Power of the Dog either. So what does he know? Uh, I texted I texted Nathan after I watched Afterlife, and I said, "Hey, I just watched my favorite <laughs> Ghostbusters movie because it pays off." And I'm not. And this is from someone who's not even a huge fan. Like it was so much fun. Like I was really, really in the whole time. Paul Rudd is just. I mean, Paul Rudd's, every, Paul Rudd's really good. Better. He's much yeah, he's really fantastic. good. Yeah, I want to see him in every in every movie ever. See, she she agrees too. I only had one problem with Ghostbusters. I loved it. I, I I laughed a lot, but I I had one. I have a couple things that stuck in me. I don't know if it graded with you. A lot of these generational bridge movies, like Solo, the Star Wars movies, all this stuff, they always try to explain things, and I don't think they need to. Like I don't think we needed the scene in Ghostbusters when he found the candy bar wrapper. Like I don't think we needed that. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I don't I don't need everything to be, and I really wish they hadn't shown. I know you're going to hate, you're going to disagree with me on this one, and you're right, but uh, I don't think they should have shown Ghost Egon, or like that. There's so much. It's, I get why they did it, I know why they did it, but, you know what I mean, he's, I don't know, it was nice to see Bill Murray back, it was nice to see Dan Aykroyd. Oh yeah, I think it was one of those things where it's like, if they don't do it, like, you know, what would, would it be Or just, or or just make, maybe like one scene instead of like ten minutes of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like just holding the girl's arms, because that was fun, that made me cheer. But I don't think we need ghost hugs. Yeah, like the ending of Return of the Jedi, where you know the Force ghosts appear for like a shot, and then that's kind exactly, of exactly, exactly. Perfect. Just an homage, not like you know another adventure with Force ghosts. But um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I had a lot of fun with this. It it felt more. It felt like it was doing the Stranger Things bet thing better than Stranger Things did it. And even though I'm not a big fan of that kid from Stranger Things called what's his name Finn Wolf, Wolfbeard, Wolfhard, I don't know. Hard. Wolf, gee, I'm not going to say that. That just sounds gross. But you know, and he played a Ghostbuster in the Stranger Things show. And you know, mm-hmm. and you know who else played a go- who said Ghostbusters? Paul Rudd. Did you guys ever see that movie Role Models? Oh no, yeah, totally. Yep, he's like, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah, because <laughs> he like he goes to the thing where he's like, yep, doing all doing all the quotes from the movies. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I I think it's a good choice. A lot of people had a lot of fun, and this. That was Ghostbusters was the first movie I saw in the theater in almost two years uh, since the the last movie I had seen in theaters, guys, was um, Rise of Skywalker, and I did not want that movie to be my last movie in the theater. Mm. Ugh, yeah, washed out. So I had a, I, yeah, my my, yeah, I was I was ready. Did you, did you realize it was Olivia Wilde at the end? Uh, Azul. Was that That's what I thought? Right? Was that she Olivia Wilde? It was her. Was that? that was Olivia yeah. Wilde. Yeah, she does the body. She doesn't do the voice, but it, it's Olivia Wilde yeah. as the, the body. But I don't think she's credited uh, as playing. Yeah, she's role. not. Because I looked, because I was like, I'm sure that's Olivia Wilde. Yeah. And then it, I didn't see her name, but. Okay. Josh Gad was Muncher. Mm. Huh. At least they didn't have uh, Slimer. Yeah. Anyway, what is your next one, Ethan? Um, so uh, I do want to mention um, a movie called King Richard, which was another one nominated. I, I'm kind of. I'm. I only have a couple left here, but uh, this is one I wanted to mention. Uh, top 15 for sure, but I do want to just note the fact that um, I'm a big Will Smith fan. Of course. And um, 
I mean, who's not at least a Will Smith fan, at least in can, some regard? Can I ask you a question about that, guys, real quick? Yeah. So they have this new reboot of the fresh of the Prince of Bel Air, right? Yeah, yeah. For, um, what do you think? Do we need this show? I mean, have I'm you guys gonna, seen I'm it? I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. I I, I just want, I'm curious more than anything else. Like um, I'm I'm I live in Kansas City, and the people who made the show are all from here, so they're they won't shut up about it, right? So like like all the like all the actors, all that stuff. And can you really? Wasn't Will Smith the big draw though? Like him and his personality. Originally, well, that was he wasn't he hadn't done any acting before. He was yeah. just the did music. Um, so, but yeah, that was it was supposed to be based around him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm down to see it. I'm I'm probably gonna watch it. Is it out yet? If nothing else, just out of curiosity. I think it came out today or yes today. It's on Peacock, right, or whatever they call yeah. it now. Okay. Yeah, but where where you were saying how Will Smith, um, you know, didn't really fit in Suicide Squad, which I, mm-hmm. you're not wrong. Um, for the exact reasons why he didn't fit in there is why he was perfect for for Richard Williams, um, the dad of Venus and Serena Williams, uh, because he plays an extremely flawed man. But also, Will Smith's the kind of guy who can bring sympathy out of any character. Like, even his most uh, unsympathetic characters, you're like, man, Will Smith just makes me want to root for this guy. And this might be his most unlikable character he's ever played. And he still manages to put together um, just one heck of a performance, I thought, and just really painting this portrait. I mean, credit to the writers and the director, obviously. But um, And then the woman who plays the mom, who's nominated for an Oscar, I think she should win. Uh, Anj- Anjanu Willis, I think is her name. Uh, she, I mean, she was incredible. There's a scene, I don't know if you guys saw this movie, there's a scene in the kitchen where she plays uh, Richard's wife and, and they're having this argument and it's maybe my, like, probably the top three favorite scenes of the year. Um, just, it, it encapsulates just what this character is and she's just kind of like explaining her plight and, and through that she's really... Uh, capturing Richard's character, and then obviously you have um, John Bernthal who plays one of the coaches, and I mean he's another one of my favorite actors. He's come he's, a, he's come a long way from Walking Dead, hasn't he? Oh man, and he knocks it out of the park, and he just plays this. He's totally he has this freedom that I don't that I always think he he really needed to have in his other roles, and he didn't quite have it because he's you know he's not. Uh, I wouldn't call him an A-lister, but he's for sure like uh, incredible he's, talent. Oh, he's a character actor though. He's really good at yeah, that. Yeah, he's yeah, he's a character actor, and he's just a really good one. And a lot of those character actors don't get the same kind of free reign as as uh, you know the main actors. But he was really given a little bit more freedom to play with this role, and he just absolutely killed. It. I think I think the movie as a whole is the best acted movie of the year. Just everyone in that movie was incredible. And Will Smith is nominated for best actor. Yeah, and Will Smith's nominated. Yep. By the way, you said it's his least likable character. Is it? Is he less likable than Jim West in Well, Well West? Because that was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I mean, I mean, at least. <laughs> well, that was also like. Yeah, he's uh, pretty bad. Yeah, he, he for sure. He for sure. He plays like. I mean, he's he's he doesn't play like an abusive parent or anything like that. But he is like he has his vices and he's just like a he's pestering and he's. He, he's a, a handful and he kind of just gets under everyone's skin and um, like so like least likable in the way in the sense that he's just 
I couldn't, you know, you might be like, I don't know if I could be friends with this guy or want to be around him that much. What about After uh, Earth? He was pretty bad in that, too. No, but... You're As a parent... movies that sucked that he was... <laughs> no, I'm, t- I'm trying to think what he... Okay, okay, but he played yeah. a parent in After Earth. Yeah, and... sure, yeah, but yeah, After... Yeah, I don't know, but After Earth, he wasn't really fleshed out the same way. Well, so it's like, okay, like... He didn't have maybe, his mustache. Like, and I compare it to, like, Hancock. Like, so Hancock, he plays this anti-hero, right? And yeah, he's like, but he's lovable. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Lovable I, drunk. I yeah. Yeah, so Hancock or maybe even his character in Suicide Squad, Death Shot or whatever the heck his name is, like, where he just kills people in cold blood all the time. <laughs> but, yeah, I never he, I never believed so for a second he was a killer. I never believed for a second he was a killer in Suicide. I never yeah, believed for a second he was killing people. That's the thing. Yeah, this is the most. I think this is the most conducive to his strengths in outside of like straight comedies like Men in Black or something. I think this is as a serious actor. I think this movie really um, hones in on what he's the best at as an actor. Was it? Is that an Apple movie as well? It was HBO. It was HBO. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's on HBO Max. Okay. Uh, let me see. How many How many more movies do you have? Me? Um, I have two and a half. One of them you're for sure going to mention. And a, two and a half? Well, one of them I know you and I have in, a, oh, in okay. agreement. And one of them I just kind of wanted to touch on real quick. Okay. Well, uh, why, don't we, why don't we touch on the touchable one real quick? Then we'll, okay. we'll go back to Christian. I wanted to touch on a, I wanted to touch on a movie that I wasn't uh, – um, it didn't technic. It came out this year, but it didn't come out this year. It's called the Justice League, this Zack Snyder cut. Yeah. Um, four hours of amazingness. I think is one of the best superhero movies of all time, and pretty much it. There's nothing else to really say. Is it's 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 the reason why I think uh, it's a celebration of an out of our tourism in in filmmaking. Uh, I think, mm. which I think will get exploited in a lot of situations, but I think. Uh, Zack Snyder is a filmmaker who's been tampered with as far as between him and this, him and the studio have not always seen eye to eye if, if ever. Um, and so I think his visions have been tampered with a lot. And I think this is just, if you've ever been like, I want to like Zack Snyder and I like, you know, his rough ideas, but I've never really loved any of his movies per se. I think this is a perfect example of why he should um, have a little bit more final cut in his movies. Did you see the Zack Snyder cut, Christian? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I'll say this: I haven't seen the film, but I'm a big fan for one reason, and this is a big one. That it's the movie that finally sort of put the final nail in the Josh Wheaton coffin, because <laughs> I am t- not I, like I have, do not like Josh. I didn't like Josh Wheaton before everyone else hated him. I thought he was a mediocre filmmaker, a horrendous screenwriter, and you can literally tell the moments he touched Justice League because they look like ass. Like, he's not a gifted director. You can literally it, – it would be like me sp- – okay, did you guys ever see that weird remake they did of Night of the Living Dead where somebody got the film and they spliced in new scenes and they did not look – that – that, no. Yeah, like they they literally because there's no copyright. It's like Game of Death, a Game of Death. Or exactly like Game of Death. Like it's like the scenes that are directed by Bruce Lee are magnificent and perfect, and then all this crap that they built around it. Like you, yeah. like the scenes that Josh Whedon directed that in the original theatrical version look like ass. They're not lit correct. They look like stages. Ben Affleck looks fat and bloated, 
Everything looks I terrible. I would have liked it more if they put in a laugh track all, during all the jokes. It was just like, inappropriate. Ah, it was stupid. Yeah. It was a horrible, horrible film. But you look not- at, but you look at, but Zack Snyder. Say what you will about him as a director. He knows how to direct action, and he, he's a he's a better cinematographer. Uh, what is it? What is it, what's the word? Cinematic filmmaker than Josh Whedon ever was. So, bravo. No more Josh Whedon. I hope not. I think I think we're I think he's pretty. I don't I, I don't want him to be canceled, but he doesn't seem like a very nice guy, and his films suck. And no thanks. He did uh, co-write on the first Toy Story though. So I I don't know what he did though. Like there's some. There's some, you know, there's some discussion about that, but no more, no more Avengers, no more superheroes, no more, no more movies with a butt-kicking female lead and a bunch of subordinates, because it's all he does, every movie, all he does. So, what's your other, what's your other half movie? Uh, my well, I have one more movie that I actually do want to talk about, but uh, I did also want to touch on the tragedy of Macbeth. Just literally, just for the sake, it might be the best cinematography I've ever seen in a movie in my entire life. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenally shot. Your um, your last two movies were also on our producer Chris Mitchell's uh, best of list. He yeah. loved Justice League and he loved uh, the tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah. It's for want- sure, like, if, if you're not, if you don't have a lot of familiarity with that kind of uh, rhythm, you know, the iambic pentameter or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, I mean, I had to watch it with subtitles on, and I had to rewind <laughs> almost every scene to watch it twice, um, just to kind of really understand what they're saying, but, but uh, I will say Denzel Washington, I didn't think was great, neither was Frances McDormand, I thought they were both kind of out of place there, but all the ancillary characters were really good. The actors, um, and just but the, the production design, the cinematography, the the it's the I mean it's Joel Cohen in his first solo outing um, away from his brother, I think like retired or something. Um, but I mean it's beautiful. I mean the, I I was just looking at screen caps of this movie and just just while I was writing my review and I was like holy mackerel this is I I could just watch this movie and not even know what's going on and um, just love it. I saw this the other night. And I'm just going to respectfully disagree with everything you said. (laughs) (laughs) I hated it. I've seen it done better. Uh, The only thing I want to give that film is that uh, it's definitely got a style to it. Um, And Macbeth is actually, I'm not really big into Shakespeare. Macbeth's my favorite um, Shakespeare story. Um, I think it's a great story. And um, I I won't delve too much because of time, but uh, I just thought it was so boring. I just, you didn't like the photography. Um, I say it had a visual style to it, and, and I'll, yeah. I'll give it that. Uh, I thought Denzel Washington was crap. Uh, I yeah. actually thought I thought most of them were crap. To be honest, I was just going, "What? What is this? What am I watching? Everyone's raving <laughs> about this." And, like, and as soon as it ended, um, I was grateful that it ended. I, I couldn't stand. I, I didn't like it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. that's just my. That's just my. <laughs> no, I could see. I could totally see why someone would not. It, it it didn't make my best of list as far as like my favorites, but I just wanted to touch on the cinematography and in the production design. I just I wouldn't be surprised if it won the Oscar for cinematography. And it was I could just watch this movie more than I mean, say people love Wes Anderson and that like s- symmetrical pastel nonsense. But I could watch this movie just without knowing what's going on. Um, just just the visuals of it, not the yeah. narrative, the acting. Yeah, yeah, the light, light. You're right. Like when it comes to the lighting, and there's certain yeah, shots in exactly, there that yeah. are literally they're like 
they're picturesque. They're, like, it'd be paintings that you hang up on a wall. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. So, like, the like looks expression of it, is, yeah. Yeah, so I, I get that. But as far yeah. as, like, a movie that's entertaining or one, I've just, just seen it yeah. done better. I'm like, no. Nah, yeah, of course, yeah. I, I totally, and, yeah. And, like, I Denzel agree. Washington just sounds like Denzel Washington trying to, like, say the dialogue in old English, like, as best as he can. Nah, yeah, he did it. not do a very good job. Yeah, I, I can't believe, I'm so shocked, because I haven't actually, I should be paying attention, but I'm just so shocked that he's nominated for an, an Oscar for it. I thought he was, I thought he was crap. I'm like, why is he, the, why is he Macbeth? Like, yeah. get, yeah. Well, there's, there's, the Oscars are political. You know that. Yeah. Okay, so real quick, so going back, so Christian, what else is on your list as we're wrapping this up? I'll just, you know, I'll just touch these real lightly, just because, um, these are kind of like lower on, on my list and I know we close up time. Sure. Uh, so I'll just go through, I'll just rattle these up real quick. Uh, I really liked Malignant. Um, this is a, a oh, horror yeah. film uh, by James Wan. Uh, if you don't know who James Wan is, he's like responsible for like the Saw franchise uh, and whatnot. And uh, and yeah, it's like uh, you've, you've got a, a female uh, character, what's her name? Her name is Madison, uh, played by was it, uh, Annabelle Wallace. Yeah. Is it Wallace or Wallace? No, Wallace. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and uh, anyway, she's getting visions, and um, she's seeing all these horrific deaths, and uh, she, you know, she basically uh, knows too much about uh, these grisly murders that are happening for the police to ignore, and so you know, she becomes like part of the investigation, and essentially, she's got like an evil twin, and I'm gonna kind of leave it at that because it's a really good twist, and I don't want to ruin it, but essentially, uh, it's just once this this villain is revealed. It's just got some very stylized, cool fight sequences that I've never kind of seen before due to the nature of the design yeah. of the creature. We'll call it a creature. And, um, yeah, I just, I just thought it was great. It was just, uh, it was just a very different horror um, film. I mean, I, I recommend seeing it if you're, if you're a, a fan lot of, of horror. A lot of practical effects, too, in that movie, which was kind of cool. Mm, yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's all I'll say about Malignant. Uh, I really liked Gunpowder Milkshake. Uh, Ooh, that yeah. was... Yeah, to me that was like uh, if, if you're a fan of the Kingsmen, it's like the Kingsmen, but you've got like a, a female organization, you know, and they're and they're running around like kicking butt, and uh, it's got was it, Le- was it uh, Lena Headey, um, oh god, what was it? Uh, Karen, Karen, Karen Karen Gillan, uh, Michelle Yao, and uh, yeah, it's just dude, it's some great like like it's like an all girl kick uh, action butt-kicking movie that I didn't hate because so many of them like if you look at like Birds of Prey for example I just uh, I don't know sometimes sometimes they try a little bit too hard with trying to have like these these kick-ass chicks on screen in the summer but this movie does it right it's so good it's so over the top and uh and the sets really are all the sets are all really fun like there's like the video store and then that library yeah yeah and, and uh, I really the bowling alley that was a cool the set design was really cool in that movie yeah so no I, I really enjoyed um yeah, gunpowder milkshakes on. I was surprised. I, I don't know. I just um, I didn't really know what to expect from that one, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and the last one I've just got on my list here. Uh, this is me going mainstream once mm. again, and uh, but I can't help it. I love the hitman's wife's bodyguard. Uh, it's just you know, it's a silly sequel. What Ryan Reynolds, Samuel L. Jackson, Selma Hayek, and you know uh, Antonio Banderas, and uh, you know essentially, if you've seen the first one, like the. Uh, Samuel Jackson, the first one, you know, he he's a hitman, and Ryan Reynolds ends up being his bodyguard. Well, this time around, uh, it's about the the wife's bodyguard, and it, it's just like another uh, ride of you know these characters from the first film on another ridiculous story. But but it's just like you know they've upped the ante. You know, it's got more laughs, more action, 
Um, it's just it's just a fun popcorn action comedy crime flick, and I just uh, I, you know I enjoyed it for what it was. It just uh, I was highly entertained by it. So yeah, Selma Hayek is hilarious. She's so over the top because she only had a minor role in the first film, but now that she's like front center in this one, she's uh, <laughs> Selma Hayek's fantastic. Yeah. She's um she's it's, one of those uh, she's one of those actors you were talking about, Ethan. She was in like every movie last year. Yeah, like Selma Hayek is in so much, so many. It's not yeah, a bad like thing. Bradley Cooper. Tim Chalamet was in a bunch of stuff. Adam uh, Driver. Adam uh, Driver, yeah. Who's the Spider-Man kid again? Um, Tom Holland. Tom Holland, yeah. Yeah, he was in like three movies last year and a few more coming up. Okay. Yeah. So, real quick, so what other, do you, besides the one I know you're going to talk about, anything else on your list? Me? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one more. Um, I wanted to mention a movie that was probably like my first uh, movie that it, uh, the first movie I saw this year where I was like, oh, that's so far that's my favorite movie of the year, <laughs> and uh, I, I know I texted Nathan, I texted you about it. Oh, um, it's Cruella, um, and I'm not a fan of you know I, I, I'm not a fan of the Disney live action remake stuff um, where there's you know there's a lot of with those movies there's like a lot of them there's a focus on with doing like an origin story they they really focus on like oh, how are we going to put a twist on this story? And um, and then, like, the movie itself gets sacrificed uh, in the process. But Cruella, I thought it was directed by um, Craig Gillespie, who did, like, I, Tanya, which is an awesome movie. And um, he did, like, a TV show that just came out, I think. Uh, but he directed this movie, and, and it's... What I liked about Cruella, it, it was really good, regardless of its connection to the source material. Um, uh, it's a heist movie. It... it shows Cruella DeVille from obviously 101 Dalmatians, um, the 1961 movie, uh, kind of like starting as a child and then how she gets orphaned and she's living in like this abandoned old, uh, house with these two guys who they become friends. They grow up together and become friends. And then she, but she's like a fashionista and she wants to be a designer and she's like really promising. And it's kind of like punk rock and it's like, uh, it, it's got this cool style to it that I think Craig Gillespie is, does really well, and he kind of uh, he uses these really cool palettes in in his in his movies, and each each movie has kind of a different palette. And this one um, was well, okay. If you see the 1961 movie, uh, it was kind of a different stroke for Disney back then. It was an escape thriller surrounding around dogs in England, and but yet the the villain in it was this traditional Disney villain. It was so random and so off the wall. And it was probably the most different movie they had done at that point. And, uh, Cruella, the, the new movie kind of aspires to be that same, uh, in that same spirit, like several seemingly incongruent elements, but mixed in and striking all, all the same chord at the same time. Uh, you know, examines like nature versus nurture. And, and, uh, it was a cool character study more so than these other, uh, Disney live action remakes, which are, you know, seem like just cash grabs. And obviously, you know, this is Disney, so everything is a cash grab. But I don't know, it just felt like there was a lot, ton of more integrity in it. And I couldn't stop thinking about it after it was over. And it was, I don't know, you guys saw, I know, and Nathan, you saw, have you seen this, Christian? Uh, yeah, I did see it. Uh, I got I didn't think much of it. Uh, yeah, it was hit or miss for sure. <laughs> but well, um, I, pre- I appreciate the aesthetics. Like, I thought the costumes were really done, you know, and, um, that was about it. <laughs> it was it was too long. It was way it was like it three was, hours. Yeah, it was like it was three really hours. Really long. That's right. Yeah. 
It was long. I but I, I think I just like it didn't show her as like this the 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 traditional like cliche. Oh, she's a promising young woman who just snapped because someone wronged her. It was like it showed that she it was like dormant in her life the whole time. Like she always kind of had this split personality thing, and then it was just like how she controlled it and how she let it. Uh, you know, trying to her 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 goal was trying to balance the two personalities instead of like. You know, I don't know, but yeah, and then it ends. Obviously, she turns into the Cruella Deville we all know her as. But um, yeah, I just, I just liked how it, it, the heist in it was really cool, and it, it didn't, it really had some cool callbacks in it that I was into. I just wish it was shorter, and I wish um, more focus on the heist, and maybe the relationship between Emma Thompson and Emma Stone, because I, yeah. I'm really big fan of Emma Thompson, and she's just. Every every movie she picks now has been terrible. Like she, I don't know what happened to her. She used to be so much better. Uh, but the Devil Wears Prada did it better. Yeah, it's pretty much <laughs> pretty much pretty much the same basic idea. Yeah, it's basic, yeah, basic basic concept. Except yeah, well, I like this one better personally. But my my only problem with um, this movie has nothing to do with the movie, Ethan. Really, because I know you really cared about it. Is that um, Disney's on this bent to revitalize their bad guys as good guys? Yeah, and, and and they do it with everything, and I'm tired of it. Like, Cruella Deville is probably the best Disney villain in the original film, and I don't need to sympathize with her because she kills dogs. And yeah, they took away her cigarette, but they can keep. But they, she's death by dog. So I don't yeah. know. I just when, I it, when they kind of they kind of it almost felt like at the very end when they were like doing this, it felt like there was almost. Uh, it felt like Craig Gillespie wanted there to be less sympathy on her character, but maybe the powers that be were like, no. You I have think to, it's the po- to, yeah. I think it's the mouse. Yeah, we it's... have to reconcile her stuff. Whatever. Yeah, it did feel like that towards the end, and that's why I think prevented it from being, uh, you know, some other movies topped it for me this year. Well, it's like but um, it was still in my top five. It's kind of like what um, Frank Oz said when he got interviewed about the Muppets last year, where he blamed Disney for mm-hmm. killing Jim Henson because it stressed him out. <laughs> he, uh, it's just. Yeah. I like Disney, but it's it's becoming clear that when Disney's involved in a project, you're going to get a babyfied version of something, and that's a problem. Like it's a problem. Hence, hmm? The Suicide Squad versus Guardians of the Galaxy. Pretty much, and that's going to be a problem going forward because as they continue to keep buying and buying and buying every franchise under the sun, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have neutered versions of films, and that's not something I want. I'm looking forward to. You think? You think Deadpool is going to be as R-rated, disgusting, in when he joins the MCU? So mm-hmm. it's not it's not going to happen. So, yeah. um, I got one more movie on my list. Uh, it's not going to be a surprise to you, Ethan, whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but I want to just real quick. I just go, like what you did, Christian. I'm just going to go up a quick list, and I'm not going to spend any time on it. I'm just going to rattle them off. I saw a lot of movies this year because I worked at home a lot, and. We've already touched on a bunch of them. We touched on Ghostbusters Afterlife. We talked about House of Gucci. By the way, House of Gucci, uh, not a good movie, not a bad movie, ridiculous costumes. It's a lot of fun. Not the best Ridley Scott movie of the year, though. That was uh, The Last Duel. Have you, I don't know if you guys oh, yeah. saw it, but The Last Duel was actually extremely entertaining and the best performance from Ben Affleck I've ever seen. Seriously. Mm. I mean that, too. Like. I really... Tender Bar. He was he was good in Tender Bar too. This year was great for him. Yeah, he's a good. He's pretty good. And he, I guess technically he was in Justice League. So it's 
that counts for him. That's, I've got the last jewel on my worst list, but that's cool. You go ahead. No, I mean, I don't know why. Like, I just <laughs> boy, everybody's just this is fighting words. No, but you got to admit, even if you don't like the last duel, um, I will say this though: the actress that was in the last duel was the same actress uh, that was in what was that movie? She, she was in Free, Free Guy. Free Guy, and talk about she got range. So yeah, uh, and that was another. That one almost made my list. Free Guy. That was a fun one too. Uh, free guys on there. I'm not a big fan of Luca. Um, I think it's mediocre. Pixar. Uh, let's see. I watched a fun documentary. Kurt Vonnegut, Unstuck in Time. It's from the creator of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, anytime I can talk about Kurt Vonnegut, I will. So I like it. Um, I watched... By the way, did you know there were two cowboy movies starring Idris Elba last year? Two. Yeah. The Harder They Fall and uh, what was the Concrete Cowboy? Concrete Cowboy. Um <laughs> Neither are great. Which one did you like? Uh, neither oh. are great, but I li- I thought the harder they fall. If you've ever wanted to see what um, what's the what's the movie that Quentin Tarantino made? Um, Django? Django Unchained. If you want to see what a Django Unchained would have been like if every character had been Jamie Fox, that would have been the harder they fall, where every character is all trying to fight to be cool, and it just cancels each other out. But I, that was a fun one too. It was fun. I, I liked. I liked how it wasn't like didn't use those like fake tints. It was just very vibrant colors. It looked it was like it clearly would have fake. Like. Yeah, it was, but it's yeah. it's so heightened. But Idris Elba yeah. though gives a great performance in it in a in a yeah, film that is. is lacking seriousness and yeah he's great in it and he's he's also it good in Concrete film. Cowboy. Um, let me see here. Let me see here. Uh, no one mentioned the French Dispatch from Wes Anderson. Uh, not his best. Not his best. Uh, Kind of getting a little stale. I like parts of it, but not all of it. Uh, yeah, it just it wasn't it wasn't wasn't a good year for Wes Henderson. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but the Last Mercenary, starring Van Damme, is is a strange beast because I don't I don't know how to explain it. He's still making these things. It's a French movie that's badly dubbed. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, Black Widow. I don't even remember it. I don't remember what happened. I think something blew up. So. <laughs> Someone, they had a, they had like nine fights in the sky while falling, and then nobody died. Really? Some I know something, something happened. I know something happened. Um, two movies, real quick, and I'll be done with this. Uh, two movies that are kind of the same, but not kind of the same. Uh, both involve pornography. One is called Red Rocket, and the other one is called Pleasure. I don't know if have you guys seen either one of these? I, I saw Pleasure. Red Rocket. Red Rocket is from the guy who did uh, what was that movie? The Florida Project. The Florida Project. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically where he he finds gross-looking people in Florida and films them. But in this movie, it's a movie where you get this uh, faded porn star who comes back to Texas, and he wants to rebuild his empire, but he's he's obviously a loser, and he tries grooming this 17-year-old girl who can sing. And Pleasure is about a Swedish girl who comes to America to become a hardcore porn star and how she's groomed along the way. Both movies are completely different, but it, it, they both give a very negative impression of pornography. Um, yeah. Red Rocket is the better movie. Uh, Pleasure, the director of Pleasure is going to be doing some big reboot of something. What was it called? Do you know what, you know what I'm talking That's about? A, yeah, I saw it. I can't remember what it is. That's a hard movie to watch, by the way, Pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah, and there was sometimes I was like, it was gr- it was gross. It, it just it was like, it, I mean, it, rightfully so, right? But it's just it's a hard movie. To it's watch. it's a little interesting because it's got the worst green screen I've ever seen. Like there are scenes when they put her on the screen with the male genitalia, oh, and, yeah. and it's clearly it's horrible looking green screen. 
So uh, she's going to be. Witches of Eastwick, by the way. It, yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why she's going to be doing so the Witches right. of Eastwick. Yeah, it's. I didn't. Even, yeah, that's not what I was thinking. But... It's not as good a movie as people say it is. Um, it's not as brave because all the other actresses and actors are getting naked, and she's not really doing that. But whatever. Um, really interesting thing piece called Shiva Baby. I don't know any of the actresses in it or actors, but it's kind of a one set piece about this Jewish girl who is lying to her family and she's hooking on the side. I'll just say that. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it. Nightmare Alley by Guillermo del Toro. Yes. Yeah, I saw that. What do you think? I no, Nobody even mentioned this yet. I, I assume it didn't leave an impression. I liked it. Uh, it, it wasn't... I. I, this year was a year for the unlikable protagonist. Like so many movies seem like they wanted to do an unlikable protagonist this year. And um, this one, I will say, I, 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 while I don't mind that that trope, I do think that this version of the unlikable protagonist was a little bit too um, not like a lot of times they're like either oblivious that they're doing anything wrong or they have like a mental illness or I don't know something like that. But this one, he seemed like almost too calculated, and it kind of divorced me from his character a little bit too much but the movie i mean it's guillermo del toro so it looks awesome looks good the carnival scenes the carnival scenes were really cool i think people um, were expecting because it's guillermo del to, to see more macabre stuff like um elephant man yeah. type of film but they didn't get it so i'm just gonna go up my list of worst that i'm gonna uh, unless you, do you guys have any worst before we head out i have i have four christian anything yeah, I've got some worse in there, like a couple that are worth mentioning, but yeah, I can, okay. I can trim it down. Okay, um, I'm going to give my last movie, which is my best film of 2021, and and yeah. Ethan, you know there's no surprise here. Yeah. Um, my favorite movie of 2021 was Drive My Car, oh, yeah. by a huge portion, like nothing. Best picture. The, the only film that even came close to Drive My Car that made that moved me emotionally was Pig. And and that and when I say huge, I mean they're both fantastic. But Drive My Car, which was by uh, I want to get his name right here. I don't have it written down. I'm so sorry. Um, give me one second here. Hamaguchi Ryus. Oh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Um, this is a three-hour movie in like four different languages. One of them being Korean Sign Language. That's based around uh, one of my favorite writers in existence, Haruki Murakami. Uh, based around like four of his short stories meshed together. Um, then based around a play by Anton Chekhov called you know, Uncle Vanya that somehow works. And I was looking at the Academy Award nominations, and this film was not nominated for Best Cinematography. And yeah, that's great. Or editing. Or, or Best Editing. And so I... I, I, I yeah, I, I, yeah, Yeah, it's the Oscars. I don't care. Um, Ethan and I did a, an hour and a half podcast about this film where we ended up talking about this in Pig. Uh, I'll direct you to that for, for what I feel about it. But I think it's a masterpiece, and I think it's a masterpiece that's above 2021. I think it's a film that people are going to be watching and exploring for a very long time. And if it doesn't win Best Picture at the Academy Awards, it's because Power of the Dog wins. And that's my prediction. And I don't really have anything else to say about it. If you have, have you seen it, Christian? Sorry, I had the mute button on. <laughs> Um, no, I haven't. I haven't seen it. It's on my it's on my list. I have, I have a copy of it, but uh, I just haven't had a chance to see it. It's it's. It, I think it's coming to HBO uh, next yeah. month. But if you have a chance to see it, see a nice clean copy of it. But it's long. Just right now, it's not a. It's not a family film. <laughs> well, I guess it is a different kind of family film. Yeah, if you, if you start about forty five minutes in, maybe. Yeah, but um, yeah. but I but I think it's something special, 
And hey, yeah, it, really is. it was Barack Obama's favorite movie of 2021. So. <laughs> and and by the way, no, there's not like any of that. It doesn't feel the need to like put in levity or anything. Like it's a straightforward drama. Like it's very serious, but like it works. And it, and it's an easy. I thought it was an easy three hour watch for personally. It goes by really fast. And and I and I want to be clear. Um, my final thought about this movie is that I never thought that there would be a good cinematic adaptation of a Haruki Murakami story or book. And while this is not a straightforward adaptation, it, like I said, it plays loose and fast with the text, it captures the feel of what a Murakami book and story is like. And for that alone, it's kind of miraculous. But you don't have to be a Murakami fan to enjoy it. But if you do, I think you're going to be very, very happy with this. So that's my favorite film of 2021, Drive by Car. Cool. So now yeah, let's... Yeah, let's talk about crap real quick before we head out. So... <laughs> So, Christian, what are your crap movies of 2021? All right. I had like a, like 10 best and 10 worst, but just for time, I'll get rid of the there's some weak ones on my worst list. Okay. So I'll just start with the one that I thought was one of the definitely one of the worst. Uh, it's a film uh, called Karen. Woo! Uh, <laughs> and, <clears throat> I didn't see that one. <laughs> yeah. And um, essentially, I mean, this... What can I say? It's I thought the trailer kind of... was a joke. I thought the trailer was a gag I when I saw I it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if, if you need, I'm not going to try and explain to the what a Karen is, but uh, if you don't know what it is, go look it up online. There's great YouTube Karen videos uh, that you can watch. But anyway, so you've got like uh, this entitled white racist woman called Karen, uh, and she attempts to um, basically a black family moves into the neighborhood next door to her, and she's not happy about it. So she does whatever she can to get them to move out. That, that's 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 basically the crux of it. And it's just, oh, God. Like, watch the trailer and just stop there. This movie is garbage, and I'm watching my language here. This is one of the worst pieces of crap I've ever seen. It's got terrible writing, terrible direction, woeful acting. And it's just, um, it's not even subtle. It's, uh, I, don't even try, I, don't even know, I don't even know what they're trying to achieve with it. I think they think they're educating us, uh, the audience, on, on racism and it's just so insulting oh, to my intelligence. I know and what it just, is. It's it's the it's the get out effect. It's like it's <clears> people. Peop, uh, you get these mediocre filmmakers who wa- saw Get Out and didn't understand what made that film decent, and they're trying to tr- do their own versions of it. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's just like it's. Let's say the scenes are very forced. Um, you know, I'm just gonna leave it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give any more airtime than it deserves. But this movie is just a load <laughs> of crap. It should never have been made. Um, yeah, uh, the writer and director, Coke Daniels, the movie's crap, buddy. It's awful. Anyway. Ethan, I don't think he liked this movie. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it just because I was like, oh, man. It was like that or Power of the Dog, you know? So I was like, I'll go with Power of the Dog. You made the right choice. <laughs> what, was that movie, what was that movie that came out last year that was similar about um, – uh, what, what what's the actress's name? She's also a singer. And it was where the the trailers made it seem like she went back in time to slavery days, but in reality she was just at a theme park. Oh, ant- antebellum. Yeah. Oh, is that what that movie's about? I haven't seen it's it. Horrific. I didn't. Know that it's terrible. Thing. It's, it's terrible. terrible. <laughs> it's, it's just just. Oh, it's got so it's, much. Yeah. yeah exactly. It's bad. So what other cool. what's, what's else on your crap hit list? Um, I got Eternals. Yes. Um, Thank you. 
Yes, Eternals is uh, the worst superhero movie ever made, in my opinion. Thank you. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's technically well made. I mean, mm. they, obviously know, they obviously know how to use a camera, mm. um, edit and add sound, and so do things in front of like, the camera. But uh, I don't know what they were thinking with this. A, I mean, I'm not a fan of the story. Uh, this is the movie I said we we're, were going to come back to, where it's just got this pointless sex scene in there. It's just kind of thrown in. You know, oh, okay, they're, they're shagging each other now. Um, okay, it seems out of place. And it's still going. It's just tr- like... It's you know. the worst sex scene since <clears throat> The Room. Mm. Oh, Tommy no. w- with with Tommy Wiseau. It's it's that know, level Gili- bad. Gili was pretty was pretty. Yeah, but Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are back together, so something went right. <clears throat> yeah, and it's just super long. What was it? It's a two and a half hour runtime. It felt like double that. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna leave it on. Eternals. I mean, I, I know people who enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, each to their own. I, but I like I mean, that. I, yeah, I, yeah. It was my worst um, movie of the year, by the way. It made yeah, my, I, it made top my list. Yeah, I couldn't convince you. Nope, you made it worse. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just so surprised it was done by the same uh, person who did No Bad Land. I just, uh, it's, it's just chalk and cheese. I just, um, yeah, hated it. Eternals didn't like it. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? That movie felt like it started life as a miniseries. Because if you look at all the actors, all the actors are like mediocre television actors. And then, it, you know what I mean? It it needed time to breathe, and it needed, but no, they smushed it all into this this compacted trash trash bag, and nothing mm. nothing worked. And by the way, <clears throat> I can't believe how bad the effects are on that film. Like the CG effects are the worst I've yeah. ever seen in a big budget movie ever, ever. Yeah. Bad. And and the bit and, and I kind of and the, and the bit that really I think I almost groaned out loud in the cinema is when Icarus flies into the sun. You're like, oh. Oh, you didn't see that coming? No, sorry. <laughs> nah, nah. Sorry. Um, well, so I'll move on from Eternal. Unless you guys want to say anything else on Eternal, I'll leave it at Ugh. that. I don't need, yeah. No, I, I liked it. I, I liked the... Uh, it, it was very much like in the vein of what I think Jack Kirby uh, would have wanted with his original concept, which was like this abstract concept uh, of, you know, the... He, he was always like a kind of comic book I mean he was a, an artist obviously but like he, he also was Marvel Method so he had a hand in the writing as well well didn't he, but, do, the, uh, he didn't he do the New Gods as well yes he did New Gods yeah with DC yeah um, but he was always like a kind of guy who um never tried to uh like reconcile like mythology with religion and, and and he balanced them really well and I think that Chloe Zhao did a really good job of really tapping into his uh, like what I think he would have wanted. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's meant to be a mainstream, like populist superhero movie. But I think like I th- a lot of people wanted it to be that. I, I think it was, it was very much um, niche, and I think it did a good job of that personally. But niche is a nice way of saying crap. Uh, <laughs> Just yeah, kidding. I agree. Like, I do appreciate that they tried to do something different because, like, you know, look at like Thor Ragnarok when they went completely different, like, you know, in style. Like, so I appreciate yeah. what I appreciate what Zo- uh, Chloe uh, Zhao was trying to do with, by doing something different, but I personally just don't think it worked, and I just thought it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what's really funny about that movie though? If you watch the credits, Chloe Zhao credits herself like six times. Like, <laughs> like if you look at the screenplay, it, the screenplay is credited to Chloe Zhao. And then Chloe Zhao plus someone else, so she's credited twice for the screenplay. And I thought to myself, <laughs> you 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 bring a good point. You said I don't know how this could be the same director as Nomadland. That's what I was talking about with Cruella and everything. It's like 
I don't think Disney's going to let these directors be themselves. Like, you have mm. to fit yourself into a box, and I think it's going to remove whatever creativity could have been there. And that's a problem. Yeah. So. All right, so the next one I've got, um, I've got, I know you liked it, Nate, but I ah. just want to have, make a comment. I hated The Last Jewel. Um, I did I, like I, it. I, yeah, I know, I know you said, I know you praised, um, what's his name, Ben Affleck on his acting. But come on, man. He's supposed to be like a French, like French royalty. Look like, at that hair, like, though. Look at that the, dye job. I was laughing like, when he was. I was just looking at my wife, going, "What? What? Who thought it was a good idea casting Ben? Affleck? No, no, I'm actually a big fan Ben of Affleck casted himself. Yeah. He wrote yeah. the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's who. Ben, that's who did it. Yeah, but he didn't direct it though. It was um, yeah. Ridley Scott. Rid- Ridley Scott. So surely, anyway, but whatever. Like watching Ben Affleck try to convince us he's French royalty is the most like <laughs> uh, cringe thing I've seen on screen, and it's essentially this, a short story told three times. Yes, you know, like three different perspectives, and it's like, and each perspective doesn't really like let's be honest, doesn't really add that much more. I mean, how many times have I watched uh, Adam Driver rape this chick? Yeah, I was gonna I, say I just, that. I was gonna say that is that is that is disturbing. Like seeing that. Yeah, scene they didn't need to show that twice for sure. Yeah, and and you know they go back in, you get a slightly different perspective. A scene plays out a little bit differently. They add like a little bit more, but I'm like, oh my god! Like every time it restarted, like I, dude, I was just so bored. I, I, I hated it. I hated this movie. Um, and I think like Ben, I'm, I'm a big fan of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. I think they're both fantastic filmmakers and actors, but they were they should not have been in this film. Uh, cool that they wrote it. They shouldn't have been in this film. This is um, say, only their second movie they wrote too, isn't it? Like after yeah. Goodwill Hunting. Yep, it was. I yeah. I agree with. I actually agree with everything you say up to a point. I just, for me, there was something about seeing Ridley Scott in this world again, this epic world of clashes and duels. Mm-hmm. I would. I just. I wish he would stop tinkering with Alien movies mm-hmm. and make other films again. Like Gucci is not a great movie. It's not even a movie. It has no cinematic elements. It's just a bunch of really good actors slumming in makeup. And for that, I enjoyed it. And I think maybe that's why I enjoyed The Last Duel as well, mm-hmm. is that I, I, it just wasn't what I was expecting. And I got a little bit of, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I got a little bit of cinema from it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the fight the fight at the end was, was well done, you know. Really good, yeah. That was, that was a good scene, for sure. I was, I was glad to see the outcome, you know. So I won't ruin it for anyone, but yes. But uh, yeah, so the last jewel. Um, what have we got next one here? Uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, <laughs> I know. This movie called Old. Uh, okay, for those who haven't seen the trailer, it's like this, you know, it's M. Night Shyamalan. So some horror, horror mystery. So, you know, some vacationers end up on a beach. They're trapped on this beach that they can't get away from. And they just start rapidly aging until they start dying. That, that's it in a, in a nutshell. And... That's all you need to know. There's nothing like there is literally no more plot beyond that except a twist that he thinks is a twist at the end in his true style, and it's not even a great twist. The story is just it's just a terrible story, and it's just played out. Uh, there's not much to this. They're just on a beach wondering why they're getting old, and that's it. That that's it. It's a short. It's a short he, film. So Shyamalan yeah. Shyamalan should just do an anthology TV show. I mm. think I think his stories fit better within like a thirty minute time frame than a two hour movie. Mm. Yeah. So I like his early stuff, but uh, this latest stuff he's doing. Ugh, Even bad. his early, some of his early stuff was very. I mean, I, I think everyone wanted the kind of reveal that Sixth Sense had, and he never really um, 
maybe one other time. I'm just not thinking of it. I mean, Signs was pretty cool. Signs was cool. But, I enjoyed um, Signs, yeah. Uh, like, the village, for as cool as the like the world that he might have built was, but it would... Like, the twist was, like, anticlimactic. It was, like, mm. that's it? And, like, the happening, it was, like, oh, cool, plants. And yeah. then, like, <laughs> I mean, The Last Airbender was literally one of the worst movies in existence. What about The Lady in the Water? That was pretty bad. I didn't see that one, actually. Uh, it was pretty bad. That. It's awful. Yeah. Like and I said, that one in the elevator where one of them's the devil. Oh, uh, devil! That one, that one actually probably. Oh, that one probably had his best twist since The Sixth Sense, I think. Yeah. But other than that, it was like, you know, whatever the movie. But I'm just saying, as far as the twists go, that was probably <laughs> the closest he'll 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 ever come. Yeah, but, but not old. Um, yeah, I'll save you. And it's an hour and forty-eight. So think of a story that could be told in fifteen minutes, and he drives out an hour and forty-eight. Mm-hmm. So don't wait. Don't waste your time with it. It's it's terrible. Um, so yeah, so, oh, so I'll move on that. Um. Next one I got here is uh, Matrix Resurrections. Yes, thank you. Terrible, Ter- like why? Um, I mean, I know why. Like money, you know, money, money. But um, the Matrix Resurrections should just be called the Matrix Rehash. Uh, they essentially just retelled a bunch of stuff from a, in a different manner to rehash some nostalgia, brought back characters that needed to be brought back, and it's just so subpar to the previous films, especially if you watch them back to like back to back. Because I watched the, the the original trilogy again to just you know I I enjoy the original trilogy. Uh, the first one's still the best. And I watched the real trilogy, and then you watch this one, and you go, why is this film even in existence? It's not even clever. It's it's woeful. I, it's terrible. Um, so disappointed. Um, you know you guys, yeah, yeah, you know what's funny? Ethan, did you see Matrix Resurrections? Uh, I did not see the new one, no. I'm not a big fan of part two and three, so I think I just wasn't really like, oh, I got to see it. Um, I like the first one a lot, but um, yeah. yeah, I didn't see it. I, um, I want to say something. I agree with everything you said. Uh, Christian, I think this is one of the worst movies of 2021. In fact, I think this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And only because when you directly... Com- this is the same people who did the first one. I read reviews of Matrix Resurrections which talked about how great the action was and how great it was choreographed. I, those people are on a list now of people whose opinions I don't believe anymore. Yeah. Because if you think that Matrix Resurrection looks as good or is as choreographed as well as the first one, you're wrong. Your your opinion doesn't matter. Yeah, you're wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. It's just a fact. It's a fact. You're, you can... you're working for Rotten Tomatoes at that point. Yeah, you're you're yeah you're not you're not you're not right. Your opinion is incorrect. So, so I remember I remember reading Lana, apparently uh, Lana Wachowski uh, in an article that you know she made a real she made a real point of saying that uh, like she was the one directing the action sequence. I think in the original ones they would have had like a action director doing it like mm. whatever but yeah it's like yeah i'm sorry but you should have let you should have brought back the guy uh, it was uh well ping it was the yeah. the guy who did uh crouching tiger hidden dragon all those great oh, oh, hong kong it? films oh yeah he's he's one of the best action directors of all time in choreographers yeah, yeah he's yeah. awesome i mean i can sort of look past like if like the plot i'm just okay whatever with the plot but i'm going okay even if the plot is garbage i'm gonna see like some cool visuals like let's let's be honest like back when the matrix came out the original matrix it, it changed cinema that movie yeah. It was like, like, you know, it's one of those movies that you never forget. I remember seeing the movie that the cinema just been blown away. It just changed action on screen. And then, granted, you're not going to always redefine action or redefine cinema, but I was at least expecting, okay, okay guys, you can at least do what you did then, right? Not, like, just cut it all back. So not even the action is well done. It's just crap. It's just, yeah, I won't say more about it. It's just awful. <laughs> yeah, and, Keanu, and, Ke- and I hate to say it, Keanu is very unlikable in it. He's not very good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's just not a it's not a good time. It's just Shocker. not a good time. 
So yeah. bringing back bringing back Agent Smith, like there was no need for Smith to be there. Like, you could, why didn't you just make some new characters? Like, what well, make some new characters? Well, they had the the one the Jinx or whatever her name is Pixie or the one with the blue hair. And, oh yeah. But no, but um, and then what a downgrade going from Hugo Weaving to that guy as Smith. Yeah. Oh, like, they picked a new one. Oh. He's supposed no. That guy's supposed to be Agent Smith, the the oh. same character. They just recast him as this slimy other guy. It's terrible. Yeah. His mm. business partner is like why. Like, I don't understand why, like, that character was brought back because, like, Smith was destroyed in the third <laughs> one. Like, I, I get that. Okay, you might want to have, like, another antagonist for him, but what, he's the same one, like, the same program? Are you real? What, they went and rewrote him after all the problems they had with him in the first trilogy? I don't know. I just, it's, it's fun to watch. Whatever. It, it's it, dumb. Christian, it's fun to listen to other people try to justify why the movie's better and why you're wrong and why you just don't get it. But no, no, <laughs> the movie's shit. And I'm sorry. Yeah, it's shit. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's it's not fun, and it's not inventive, and it's not creative. It's a cash grab that didn't make any cash. It bombed. So, <laughs> goodbye, Matrix. Just no, we don't want any more. Yeah, make more. I mean, I didn't see it, so I'm I'm speaking of a movie I didn't see, but I'm not a big fan of the last two. So, but I mean, I don't know. Like after you see Spider Man, it's like you start thinking about movies different, like blockbuster movies differently. You're like, why can't they just? It's this easy. I mean, it's not, but it is, right? Like just make it fun. Make a fun movie. I, I actually thought the idea had potential, like going back into the universe and turning out the universe was like this, this video game sphere. That had potential. It, it's the only way it could have worked, you know, because the trilogy ended. But anyway, the universe had potential, and it by bringing him back, it cheapens the sacrifice he makes in the third film because oh, we're just going to bring him back. Or well, what was the, sorry, what was the point? <laughs> like yeah. the third, like he did, they didn't need to bring Neo back. I mean, he could have been like a program. He was a video like, game recreated, like yeah, like yep. uh, yeah, but like to actually have the machines physically bring him back to life. I mean, give me a break. Like you just you just ruined his whole arc in the first trilogy. Or he just should have been like this beside that someone else wanted to live up to. Like introduce new characters. Like just yeah, just yeah. Yeah, I'm exactly. so disappointed. So moving yeah. on. So what else? Moving is on. Any more crap? Okay. Yeah, I'll just read a one line of these ones. Uh, okay. I thought Voy- Vo- I'll be real quick with these ones. Voyages uh, is basically Lord of the Flies in space, hmm. uh, and it was it's terrible, like bad acting. Colin Farrell was the only good bit, and they kill him off early, and he's left with these subpar like teenage actors running around in space. You know, basically their hormones were suppressed, so they can travel intergalactically, and they suddenly don't get the drug that represses their horniness and all of a sudden now they're horny and oh it's uh, a sex comedy <laughs> yeah it's, 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 and, and all of a sudden like the boys suddenly overnight even though they've been friends for 15 years and now like aggressive it's just it's terrible it's lord of the flies in space and like bad into space sex i don't know whatever um to the voyages <laughs> uh crime macho uh clint eastwood mm-hmm. um you know, you know, he should have stopped at Gran Torino. Uh, like Gran Torino, he would, you know, he was believable as an old guy that could kick out. Like you don't want to cross him in Gran Torino. In this one, you go, bro, you can barely walk, and you're trying to convince us you can fight it's or painful. do anything. It's on like, my it's, list too. Yeah. Yeah. So Crime Macho. Um, I didn't like the French Connection. I won't go down that one. Uh, I thought Venom. Uh, you mean French? Venom, you, mean, well, no, you mean the French Dispatch? What did I say? You said the French. Fr- you said the French Connection. Sorry, the, the French. I was gonna <laughs> yeah, say we. French. You don't like the French Connection. My Are we talking about the, seventy-one movies here? So. Sorry, the French. The French <laughs> Dispatch. I was trying, reading it so quick that I was trying to move along. Now, but yeah. So the French Dispatch. Uh, I didn't rate it. I didn't rate the hype. Didn't like it. Uh, I thought Venom. Let there be carnage. Uh, you've got like these great characters that you've just reduced to like child. It's just childish. It's just childish. I'll leave it at that. I, I hated Venom. Let there be carnage. 
Um, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. Yes, on my list. Uh, definitely, like, just woefully terrible. Like, you guys even play the video game? Tell me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and the last one I got is Space Jam, A New Legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. You got, you got a basketball <laughs> trying to act. I'll just leave it at that. Your it's top terrible. three are my top three worst ones. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, that is my list. <laughs> I know you love Space Jam, didn't you, Ethan? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to save that for the last. Um, so okay. my worst, I got about five or six, I think, okay. I actually counted them. Um, so uh, Ryan the Last Dragon, I mean, it's a microcosm of where Disney is right now, simultaneously trying to be Pixar while also not knowing how, while also drowning out all inspiration with loud attempts at uh, trying to be inoffensive. Uh, it's just <laughs> a bunch of trash. Uh, Fear Street 1666. The first two, it's a, it was a trilogy released in like a month or something. Uh, based on R.L. Stein book. Uh, the first two were, were pretty good. The second one was my favorite in 1978, and then each one they go back back in time. Uh, whereas the first two were kind of nostalgia movies, taking one play, taking place in the 90s, and then the late 70s, kind of like uh, uh, Friday the 13th era. Um, the third one took place in the 1600s amidst like the Salem Witch Trials, and it just didn't work. There's no nostalgia about it. It was just like a period piece that was just a destination that didn't really work uh yeah not good um the other one was infinite with mark Wahlberg. uh i honestly didn't think it was gonna be this bad uh and i i I mean i don't dislike mark Wahlberg, but he also is like simultaneously like the most boring actor ever but also like when he's in something (laughs) good like he's really enjoyable (laughs) like like he can be really really good uh but the concept was good. Execution was catastrophic. Um, although there was a really cool stunt where a motorcycle jumps off of a cliff and onto a low-flying airplane, uh, that was like definitely should have been in a Fast and Furious movie. Um, other ones, Power of the Dog. I already ah. talked about that one. Ad nauseum. Um, f- uh, French. Uh, I almost said French Connection. French Dispatch. What is it with uh, you guys hating Gene Hackman? I, I just don't. Yeah, I love Gene Hackman. Uh, don't love – I'm really not a Wes Anderson fan. I, I, I admittedly haven't seen his earlier earliest movies, uh, like Bottle Rocket and, and uh, Royal Tenenbaums and stuff. But everything he's made in the last, like, 10, 15 years, I just have not clicked on it. Um, just, yeah, it was – like I get it, I get the concept and stuff. It's just not. It's not funny to me. I, I would rather just watch it on mute and just look at the, the set design. Um, yeah, the sets uh, are great. Yeah, second second to last was a movie called Boogie, which probably nobody saw. Um, it's about a basketball player, an Asian American basketball player. Um, uh, I was really disappointed in this. I was excited. Uh, it wasn't like bad to the point where it was, you know like offensively bad but it was more just really really poorly it was made by someone who just didn't know how to make a movie um and it, it was just disappointing because it was there was a story there and i think more than anything that's why i was disappointed with it because i grew up uh in a in a, at my high school was uh 70 asian american and uh i grew up with our whole basketball team almost entirely was asian kids and so i all my friends were asian and i when i, I really was excited about this story getting out there and it was just handled terribly uh the same guy who created um fresh off the boat which is a pretty cool show but uh i think he wrote i don't know if he directed this movie he wrote it i think yeah it just wasn't good the direct the director was pretty bad um and then the worst movie of the year was across the board space jam a new <laughs> legacy 
Um, it's not even a movie. It's an it's a giant product placement. <laughs> uh, they, there was like Clockwork Orange uh, cameos in, and in the, the nuns. Kids movie and the nuns. Yeah, and the nun. I was like, yeah. what, what is this? And uh, First Space Jam uh, is one of my favorite movies ever. Not even just as a kid. Like I could watch it now. I love Space Jam. It's it's so unique. It's so uh, Michael Jordan's not a good actor, but he doesn't have to be. Just that's how fun that movie is. Um, this one's just terrible, and on top of it, I didn't. I don't like LeBron James anyway. I'm a big basketball fan, and he's like my least favorite player ever. So, I was already going into it with like a slight bias, and I was glad that it wasn't good because <laughs> it was a movie I wanted. I think I, I think I wanted to hate, but I watched it with an open mind. But I still, just, I didn't like it. Dad, let me do me, whatever that was. <laughs> yeah. This movie, this movie had. Uh... What's his name? Don Cheadle quoting Denzel oh, Washington's yeah. Training Day character. You know, it's like King Kong ain't got nothing on me. And it, yeah. this 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 movie, yeah, you're right. Space Jam might be the worst movie of 2021, honestly. But it's not even like, really a movie, is it? Yeah, no, it's objectively like I think you can ask anyone who's watched enough movies last year, and it'll be on every. It's the only movie that will be guaranteed to be well, on every list. I here's think. here's the biggest problem: the an, the 2D animation was awful. It was bad. And the voices, I don't know, like, Bugs Bunny sounded like he was 90 years old. Like, hey, Doc, we're going to play some basketball. You know, and it's... it's That sounded better than the one that they... And it's just, it's awful. It's, it's, it's... And then they had Granny doing the Matrix. Doing meme jokes. Granny, Granny quoting Dave Chappelle was probably the best, the best part. Uh, The only good part of the whole movie, where she said game blouses. And I was like, all right, you got me on that one. It's really bad. It makes you it makes you hate the Looney Tunes because they're yeah they're so mistreated. It's really sad. It was sad yeah, to watch. It was sad to watch. It was hard. I actually was I was actually taking screenshots of that film. Um, I was doing screen grabs of how bad the animation was and sharing it with some friends of mine, and they couldn't believe it. It was like it was it was awful. It was really bad. It was awful. It was it was one. It may be the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Really. Just because of the fact that it wasn't even fun bad, and it's not even like there was just nothing to reconcile about it. Um, you know what's funny? Well, I think yeah, Karen. I think that's why they didn't have LeBron in it so much because he's such a bad actor. Like they didn't want to act him. They just it just hell with it. Just animate him because yeah. because he couldn't act. He was yeah. wooden. He was bad. You know? Do you remember in the first Space Jam when Mike? They the most unbelievable thing is that they tried to convince you Michael Jordan lived in like a three bedroom house in the suburbs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no. That was awesome. Um, do you have any other crap? That's uh, pretty much it. I mean, just, just, yeah, just that. Okay. Uh, I, I'm my, most of my list is the same. I'm just gonna go up it real quick. Ryan the Last Dragon, just forgettable. Um, Earwig and the Witch was a Studio Ghibli film. <clears throat> that is the worst Studio Ghibli film ever made. Really? I, yeah. You guys ever watch Ghibli, like, um, anything by, like, Hayao Miyazaki or, like, Spirited Away or... I have um, not. Uh, I did not. But he's... This is a guy who's literally known for making beautiful films, like my neighbor Totoro. Uh, Earwig and the Witch was CG, and it was bad. Just bad. Speaking of bad, uh, Tom and Jerry. So, no thank Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. About that one. Yeah. No, thank you. Everything bad, 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 bad. Um, Cry Macho. I actually liked part of this movie, Christian, but watching Clint Eastwood when, when struggle the, to watch. <laughs> well, you could see how this movie could have been good. Like it had the character like yeah. settled on becoming like the town vet, but instead they had him do action scenes, 
And mm-hmm. watching Clint Eastwood walk down the street was painful. He looked like he was going, they, he looked like he was going to pass out. It was terrible. At least they didn't show him having sex with that thirty-five-year-old lady or whatever. Oh, like she was. well, remember in the Mule, he was getting it on with like six ladies. He was yeah. pouring it up. But um, can I be honest with you? The worst thing about Cry Macho was his voice. Hmm. It was hard to listen. It to. It was really hard to listen to. It was really oh, hard. Man, what, it, 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 there were times when I was like, "Oh man, I hope he's okay." Like when he was on the horse, I mm-hmm. was like, "Oh man," I was like. Ugh. That was the most tension I felt in the whole movie. I was like, is he going to fall off that horse? I, I was like straight up nervous. <laughs> well, Anytime he wasn't sitting down, like he looks like, yeah. like, I don't want to sound like, I love Clint Eastwood, but the dude's too old yeah. now. He looks like Mr. Burns, like you like waiting for him to encounter Maggie and then taking him out. Like he's like, dude, you, sh- you should just be behind the camera now. You're a great filmmaker. You've got mm-hmm. like a great career, but dude, you, you're too got old. nothing to prove. You're role. 90 years old. Well, he was yeah. supposed to play this role in the 90s. Oh, the you, same role. Do you know who was yeah. supposed to play this role? Like, I can't remember. Recently, Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed That's to be. Right. It was Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Really? Like, I don't know how it would have worked, but yeah, he, huh? Arnold Schwarzenegger was was hired for this role. Go back to the taxes with me. I just want to back to Texas. I just want to see Arnold in one more good movie, but um, uh, Infinite because the movie is ridiculously stupid. It doesn't make any sense, and some of the action is is laughable. It was like watching like a '90s movie. Um, this one, no one, no one has all mentioned this movie, but I'll mention it. Being the Ricardos, I don't um, like that a lot. You didn't like I haven't it? seen it. I did not like it, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because yeah. I can't stand Aaron Sorkin anymore. I can't stand the fakeness. Uh, I can't stand uh, I it. Love Aaron Sorkin. And and I'll be honest with you, I like all the actors. Every actor in this movie, I like a lot, and they are all miscast. Like not J.K. Simmons was good though. J.K. Simmons is great all the time, but he doesn't. He's not chubby, lovable. As as, but um, what's her, Nicole Kidman doesn't look, sound, act, feel, give the essence at all of Lucille Ball. Not even a little bit. Not even a little yeah, bit. That's a lofty task too. And but yeah, she she doesn't. Javier Bardem obviously doesn't. Javier like Bardem. He's supposed to be twenty five in this movie. Yeah, he's like he, uh, sixty. He doesn't. He know. does capture like that. Com- that like Desi Arnaz had like this really unique way of finding humor, and I think he tapped into that really well and i i kind of like that the uh, that the objective wasn't to make them look like them necessarily but more like i get the it De- a deconstruction of the lucille ball because yeah, it's too yeah. comedy but but i want to but i get it but they had to create tension that didn't exist yeah. like the the scene when the pre- when uh Jaker hoover calls and said she's not a comic that didn't happen like like Sorkin just keeps lying about history in his movies, and it's so frustrating to me. It's like find like real Trial stories. Hmm? Did you like Trial of Chicago Seven? No. You like that one? No. I the last movie I liked from Aaron Sorkin, I liked part of Steve Jobs, and I liked. Um, I think he. Game? I think he wrote uh, American President. I think. Yeah, he did. But but as far as it's like his writing goes, like I. I just like if you like him, you like him. But for me, I'm I'm over him. I can't do it anymore. I I can't keep doing fake history like do real history lucy was a phenomenal person she helped create star star trek you know by the way speaking of arnold schwarzenegger did you know this lucille ball was the guy was the guy sorry she was the person who gave arnold his first starring role in a movie was it the hercules no like his first actual like he was not he won i think he won a golden globe for it it was that cowboy movie um she uh with Anne margaret or whatever i think so yeah like 
she, uh, she's villain, such a, the villain, the villain, right? She's so fast. He's she's so fascinating, and this movie was, did not do this. It needed to create tension where there was originally none. It had to create angst. It had to create eating disorders. It had to create all this stuff, and I just it's not. I can't do it anymore. But it's still better than the movie Bruised and Passing, which were oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> so um, Passing we talked about. I don't even want to talk about this movie. This movie is manipulation, and. I, it's literally black and white, so no thank you. Uh, we talked about Matrix Resurrections. We talked about... Uh, you asked me if we played the game for Resident Evil, Christian? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, why bother making a movie that looks worse than the game? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, did you, you, did you see this movie? I did not see it, no. Okay, miscast worse than the Ricardos, but I'll say this. I don't understand why they make these movies. I don't understand the audience. Like, I don't understand who wants to see this. Who wants to see something that looks worse than a 25-year-old video game that's not accurate, that with horrific acting? Oh, my goodness. Honestly, that, young, that rookie cop, man. Oh, my God. Every time he spoke, I'm like, I hope you talking about You're talking about Leon Kennedy? <laughs> I, don't, the, I don't know his the name. Guy's, just, like, that guy's yeah. supposed to be Leon Kennedy. Like, okay. if you, like, if you know the games, then you realize that, that's, that would be like casting... Um, well, like it'd be like casting Javier Bardem to play Will Smith. Like it doesn't, it doesn't fit. Yeah. And um, yeah, we talked about Space Jam, and I guess I already told you my worst movie of 2021. Although you, you may have convinced me, Ethan, that it might be Space Jam. But uh, I put the Eternals there. But I think you're right. I think I'll switch it. Space Jam: A New Legacy is the worst movie of 2021. Yeah, but you do have to actually be a movie to be the worst, though, right? Like I, Space Jam's I, I don't... half a movie. I think it says something about our culture where there was a big story about how Pepe Le Pew was not going to be in Space Jam because he's a sexual yeah. predator. But he, they, won, he won in the end because he wasn't in the movie. But they put they put the characters from Clockwork Orange in there. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was like, what? You could have just had Pepe Le Pew as, a, as in like a, the background. Just and, like you, had, you could have had them with Clockwork Orange people if you wanted to. And, and the movie was unnecessarily racist. And it was just so unlikable. Like yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, thank God Mel Mel Blanc is dead. He wouldn't like to see yeah. this. So, but guys, I'm still I, gonna go with Karen. <laughs> you think Karen? Karen? Well, Karen, Karen's worse than Space Jam, but uh, but that's just my. Can we can we put <laughs> Karen into Space Jam and Jettison? <laughs> Crossover. Can, can she be a? Does Warner Brothers own that property? So, but yeah, this I, is, these aren't movies, man. These are not films. Like when they just smudge I, everything together. I will say that this year, um, I noticed. So it's like 2020. A lot of the mo- my favorite. I was looking at my top ten from 2020, and a lot of them were like the critical darlings, like Nomadland, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, you know, uh, Sound of Metal, Mank, stuff like that. This year, I noticed a lot of my top ones were like the tentpole movies or like the mainstream stuff, and it was just interesting. And I know like the pandemic probably had something to do with that. But uh, yeah, I just I thought it was really interesting this the shift between this year and last year where I really was watching a lot of the best picture I watched, I saw all the best picture nominees at this point and there were really only like three of them that I was really crazy about maybe four um, that I really liked uh, and the rest of them I was like why did these get nominated um, well and yeah it, it's I don't know beca- it was weird I don't think so I think it's because uh, the world is sort of healing a little bit and we're getting back into norms. And I think maybe we are influenced more than we like to admit we are by tentpoles. And, you know, simply because the Oscars bring to attention a lot of movies that we may not have heard before, or vice versa. 
And but I think uh, I think for all the bad movies that have come out in the last few years, I think not having those goalposts have made it have made a lot of lesser films a lot more accessible to people, and yeah. and people are open minded. And I think um, and I think we all agree that um, Space Jam is terrible. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a good place to leave it off. If any parting words, any parting words for twenty twenty one, gentlemen, Christian, parting words. Um, no, not really. I think, uh, yeah, I think you could hear my passion on uh, the movies that I have <laughs> as, to, as to where I sit in some of these films. So yeah, nice, uh, Ethan. Parting words. Yeah, um, go see Fast and Furious Nine because it was one I didn't mention, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we did, we went through a whole po- three hours, almost three hours, without mentioning Fast and the well, Furious. Well, because I, I I ranked them by by like what I thought was the best ten. In in you know, I know I'm 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 not the minority, but I, I love Fast and Furious, and it was well, top three of the top three or four of the series. You uh me. you convinced me to watch them all chronologically, so I still owe you that. You um, have to. And for that, I want to say, regardless how the Oscars turn out, I think uh, I, if you take a look at the films nominated, I think for the most part it's a pretty good list. So I can't really argue with that. A lot of good films are up there. Uh, they're probably not going to. They're probably not going to select the best ones. I think. I think we did that. I don't think if you listen to this podcast, that's all you need. You don't need the Oscars. Screw the Oscars and their phoniness. And with that, you have been listening to the Movie Time Podcast from Pop Zara. That's right. It's the Movie Podcast, Movie Time Podcast from PopZara.com. This has been Nathan Evans, Managing Editor of PopZara.com. Thank you to our special, special guest, Mr. Christian Sterling. Sir, thank you. Thanks a lot. And the other voice is Ethan Bram. Ethan, thank you again, as always. Thank you, sir. And if you've listened to this whole thing and you like what you hear, give us a good review because, frankly, you made it this long. Why not? What do you get to lose? It's five stars. You can you can afford that. And with that, we will see everybody next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the PopZara Podcast. For more quality original content, check out PopZara.com for the latest reviews and previews in gaming, movies, tech, and more.